kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Pi Day edition of Auntie Nanny. With me this evening is the bubbly and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you doing this week, Jeannie? I am none of those things today, Jen. I I know it's it's we're all moving like a herd of turtles. Uh, and the best producer of money can't buy, Barry. How are you this evening, Barry? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were we were actually talking before we went on the air because we like each other and we do that um <laughs> just about how bad a week it's kind of been for vaping yeah just what happened to poor vince and then california being california and then we always trying to copy <sighs> california yeah yeah canada. it's just ridiculous canada canada's getting screwed Oh, well, they're getting screwy in New York, too. New York in there. Let's cut no more flavored anything, including e-liquid. What? Just stop it. You're not helping. You should open a vape shop in Shingle House. Okay. Well, I'm a mile from the border. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have a truck. Yeah. And everybody in the southern tier can just come here and buy their e-liquid. I'm not opening a vape shop. I'm just saying somebody <laughs> I'm not doing it, but somebody should. Yeah, fuck I've, that. I've been, I've been saying since the, F, the FDA and, and the Canada thing, all the different things happening, and I'm like, yeah, prohibition's going to be going in reverse soon. Canada well, bans the e-liquid. Enterprising <laughs> Americans start using off-road vehicles to sneak across the border. Well, you know, <laughs> here's the thing. Prohibition's never worked. It's never going to work. Um, yeah. And this kind of thing tends to bring down a state. Um just a state just in general once you go to a black and a gray economy that takes money out of the legitimate economic system puts it into a black market system takes it out of the government's control uh, hang, hang on hang on you just said legitimate economic system oh all right i don't mean legitimate okay the white market put it that way <laughs> put it the white market the black market the gray market they're going to wind up forcing us all into a black and gray market yeah she meant the legal market she, well, she- mean like having good guys or legitimate or anything like that you just meant the leak yeah no she yeah genie's right i didn't mean any of that stuff that came out of my mouth except that this is going to force us all into a black and gray market not that there's anything wrong with that but 
you know, you would think the government would freaking learn by doing stupid <laughs> crap like this. <laughs> you know, they're taking tax money out of their own pockets. How fucking dumb are they? I mean, pretty fucking dumb, obviously, but still. Oh, yeah. did uh, anybody see the pictures of that plane, the 737 today? Which one? It's just the Iron Maiden one. Uh, hang on. 737 versus Bird. Oh, no, it's not. Man. No. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's got a great big gaping hole. I'll stick the pictures from Twitter in here. Oh, yeah, birds fuck up an airplane. Oh, yeah, yeah they will. I mean... Well, yeah, the, the one of the most amusing things is explaining to people the chicken gun that they used to test engines at Rolls Royce. <laughs> Go ahead. They Eric. get they get they have dead chickens. They have their own chicken farm apparently. So they rear these chickens, slaughter them, and then uh, fire them at operating jet engines well, to make you sure know. the engines can survive bird strikes. Well, you know, all I can say is yeah. At least they're using dead ones, and at least they're not taking them and selling them to Walmart. <laughs> I don't know what they do with them afterwards. That has I wouldn't not been imagine, specified. I wouldn't imagine they could do much with them afterwards. Chopped yeah. cooked chicken. The other side, chopped <laughs> food. But, and, I, and I promise you that somebody, you know, somebody at PETA is having an absolute shit fit, and I'm thinking, you know what? Those chickens probably had a really nice life before they were humanely put down um, compared to you know the yeah, apparently the yeah I mean because obviously they they reared them to be a certain density shall we say <laughs> and size so yeah they've been fed really well really well looked after and then they die and get fired into jet engines <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's better than being born a male chicken yeah. Put it that way. You don't. You don't want to be. They were saying chicken sexing pays a lot of money. I mean, it pays oh, yeah. a ridiculous amount of money, and no one wants to do it because of what happens to the male chickens. Except, yeah, where it was, in, where the sexing was invented in Japan, where they really don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why the biggest school for teaching people is still there. So, I don't know. I guess. Uh, is anybody sick of hearing about my NSA yet? No. No. <laughs> no, because no? I just have this sick idea that there's some NSA guy having to sit and listen about what the NSA is doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, every week when we do this, I'm like, you know, somebody is having to sit and listen to this. And the best part is all of these words were written by somebody else. So they're actually having to sit and listen to something somebody else wrote about how shitty they are. Yeah. Right. So again, because they've already had to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There is black humor to be had. Okay. So the NSA is giving our phone records to the DEA. And the DEA is covering it up. A day after we learned of a draining turf battle between the NSA and other law enforcement agencies over bulk surveillance data... It now appears that those same agencies are working together to cover up when those data, when that data gets shared. Those, I know technically those data is actually technically correct. I just can't say it. The Drug Enforcement Administration has been the recipient of multiple tips from the NSA, 
DEA officials in highly secret offices called Special Operations Division are assigned to handle these incoming tips, according to Reuters. Tips from the NSA are added to a DEA database that includes intelligence intercepts, wire taps, informants, and a massive database of telephone records. This is problematic because it appears to break down the barrier between foreign counterterrorism investigations and ordinary domestic criminal investigations. Because the SOD's work is, is classified, DEA cases that began as NSA leads can't be seen to have originated from an NSA source. So what does the DEA do? It makes up a story of how the agency really came to the case in a process known as quote-unquote parallel construction, Reuters explains. Some defense lawyers and former prosecutors said that using parallel construction may be legal to establish probable cause for an arrest, but they say employing the practice as a means of distinguishing or disguising how an investigation began may violate pretrial discovery rules by bearing evidence that could prove useful to criminal defendants. The report makes no explicit connection between the DEA and earlier NSA bulk surveillance uncovered by former Booz Allen Hamilton contractor Edward Snowden. In other words, we don't know for sure if the DEA Special Operations Division is getting its tips from the same database that's been the subject of multiple congressional hearings in recent months. We just know that a special outfit within the DEA sometimes gets tips from the NSA. There's another reason the DEA would rather not admit the involvement of the NSA data in its investigations. It might lead to a constitutional challenge to the very law that gave rise to the evidence. Earlier this year, a federal court said that if law enforcement agencies wanted to use NSA information in court, they had to say so beforehand and give a defendant a chance to contest the legality of the surveillance. Lawyers for Adele Dowd, who was arrested in a federal sting operation and charged with trying to detonate a bomb, suspect that Dowd was identified using NSA information but was never told. Surveys show most people support NSA bulk surveillance programs strongly when the word terrorism or courts are included in the question. When the pollsters draw no connection with terrorism, support tends to wane. What will happen when the question makes clear that the intelligence not only isn't being used for terrorism investigations against foreign agents, but is actively being applied to criminal investigations against Americans? Yeah. You, you know when the information's passed. Yeah, it's, it's not official at all, <laughs> which is why they do the parallel thing. It's mm-hmm. those big sex drug parties that uh, <laughs> Department of Justice agents apparently love going to. Um, oh, love going sh- to love oh, paying here, for Here, there's this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's got some great drugs. You might want to go and... Yeah. <sighs> it's just ridiculous. I mean... Well, go ahead. Did you see the thing in the news about the train derailment? Yes. The track train? Mm-hmm. Yes. Nobody was seriously injured. Mm-hmm. Did you hear what the media was saying? No. This catastrophic train derailment? <laughs> I'm like, fucking kidding me? A passenger train derails. Right. Those fuckers generally got a lot of people on them. 14 people were taken to the hospital, none of them critically injured. How in the flying was this catastrophic train derailment? Was it a bad thing? Yes. But basically, it tipped over. Obviously, the media media has high concerns for train carriages and scratched paint. Well, I mean, here here is the thing you should be asking yourself. Why are we subsidizing Amtrak? 
if only 14 people are riding the rails. Well, no, no, no. It was full. 14 was... people is full? No, no, no. That's the people that got injured. Got bruises and sprains and stuff. And yeah. were transported to a hospital. So the 14 people that wanted to fucking sue Amtrak. <laughs> out the wusses. Yeah. Because, because passenger trains are full of people. And you know, and I'm not saying it's, it's it's not a bad thing that the Amtrak train fell off the track and tipped over. Um, but obviously, it was at a rather low rate of speed because nobody wears a seatbelt on an Amtrak train, number one. Mm-hmm. It was in the middle of the night, so they were all sleeping. So they were probably quite, well, they weren't all sleeping, um, but anyway. But they were probably quite unprepared for the train to tip over, yet only 14 people had to be transported to the hospital, and none of them seriously injured, but yet it was a catastrophic train derailment. So the the media uses the word catastrophic like they use the word terrorist. And when, when the husband and wife nutters in California pulled their little stunt, I got all pissed off over the word terrorist because they are using that word to incite fear on for the sheeple. Uh-huh. That's all they're doing. They need to they need to stop using the word terrorist as far as I'm concerned. Because for these crazy people, um it's a badge of honor. The, the, to be labeled a terrorist to them is a badge of honor. They should just start calling them nutters and whack jobs. And yes, Jen, I know that those are very derogatory things. I mean them to be derogatory. <laughs> Everybody, I kind of agree with Jeannie. Everybody needs to take the Scottish airport worker uh, method of dealing with terrorists. Tackle them, knock them out, roll them around on the ground to put them out because they're on fire, and <laughs> get on with your working day. <laughs> you remember yeah. the Glasgow attempt at blowing up the airport? Yeah. yeah and and people just were like, oh, somebody just tried to blow up the airport. When's yeah. my flight? <laughs> yeah, don't you? I mean, because it's like it's, it's furthering their illusion of of fame and accomplishment. Well, I mean, let's let's call it what it is. It's misuse of words, right? And the government does this all the time. I mean, you'll well, notice... Well, funnily enough, psychologists and psych, you know, refer to it as catastrophic... I can't even say it. Catastrophic? Yeah, phising at the end. <laughs> catastrophizing because that's what people with um, anxiety and certain mental health conditions do and yeah that's just what the media are doing with all all stories basically these days well I mean you gotta look just most of their stories it. So it's, most, yeah. <laughs> most of their stories are about what um, which Kardashian is pregnant with Justin Bieber's kid or a, ooh, a train jumped off the tracks Ooh, you know i mean there's not really much there in news that's actual news anymore right and and yet the real the real horror stories like uh murdoch marrying jerry hall yeah i mean that, <laughs> that gets coverage but it's not i mean that should be <laughs> catastrophe <laughs> i do want to know what joke made of wedding murdoch. i really yeah. do i would love to know that 
<laughs> Seriously. Yeah, they're, they're on about um, gay people. You know, it's like it's it's wrong. They're allowed to be married. They're bringing the marriage into disrepute. <laughs> what Is about all these celebrities that get married for ten minutes? So, so that's Trumpizing things. Possibly. So it's basically yeah. taking the Donald Trump. Yeah, is, is are you guys' friend list re being are they shrinking daily? Because mine is. Um, <laughs> mine is, but yet I'm not talking about politics. People are just dropping me. I think most people are disgusted with my, you know, I'm voting for pine straw stuff and you know oh, no, I like voting the equals violence and yeah, build I a wall around Washington DC, keep the criminals inside. I think people are just sick of that. I'm not I like that stuff. See, I'm in the UK, so we get all the comedy stuff about what you guys are going through. Uh, well, I sent uh, I sent John the link for the breaking it for Canada thing. Oh, I I made my um, caramel dark chocolate and Oreo pie today for pie day. <laughs> I did. I made it. I didn't take a picture of it, but I did make it, and I I thought I should tell everyone that this is what I did for pie day. Was it good? Not that, not that you care. Oh, it's delicious. Uh, you make the caramel. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're breaking the internet, John. You didn't <laughs> post a photo of it on Facebook. Yeah. I know. I have to repeat what Greg put in chat, too, because th that is another thing. Yeah, this, this train um, was submerged in a creek. Okay. A, a two-foot-deep creek. <laughs> so the train was two feet tall? That was my assumption. <laughs> that was the problem. Maybe that's why fourteen people got hurt because they were really little people. Yeah, it so was one of those were, uh, one of so those little kids trains from. So it was a baby man train. Park. Yeah. Oh my god. It my wasn't the usual twenty foot high train. Yeah. That. Uh, his favorite thing is is little people, baby people. Um, <laughs> so he he would get a good laugh out of that two foot tall train. Um, so it was it was a train for people like Bridget. <laughs> I know who she is, and only because of VCCNE. Uh, Bridget party. It was a Bridget party train that got submerged. Let's start a rumor. It's, Her bodyguard is a very large man. The guy is like a a, a walking brick wall. Is is that so? He can just put her in the pocket when when trouble I starts. Don't know. <laughs> Quite possibly. Guys are talking, hey, is that so and so? Is that so and so? And I happen to be near Dino and Zen. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> and, and God love them both. They're, you know, one's like, oh my God, is that so and so? And they're like, no, it can't be, it can't be. Oh, what? Yeah, no, I really think it is. Uh, I bet you 20 bucks it is. Okay. And so Dino, Mr. Mr. Straight Lace Dino, Gets up, walks over, and asks. <laughs> he just, <laughs> what is that? Oh, yeah, okay, thanks. Turns on and walks up. <laughs> I highly doubt this porn star was all warm and fuzzy over that encounter. I mean, can you imagine being semi, someone semi-famous? Um, and and I say semi-famous because I had never heard of this person before. <laughs> and, and having somebody walk up to you and say, hey, are you so-and-so? Yeah. Okay, thanks. And they turn around and walk away. Would, would I you, would hope. Yeah, I you'd would be hope. Like, what the fuck? I would hope semi-famous people are used to that. 
if my voice sounds a little weird, I'm like finally starting to get um, cleared up from the pneumonia I had. So everything sounds weird, even my voice. Um, and I'm sorry about that. Um, so yeah, um, there's no CASA update tonight because everybody's in Florida. I worked all weekend, but everybody else from CASA who does the updates is in Florida and they're on a flight. Did you avoid see any of them? Are you fucking kidding me? Today was my day off. I ain't going nowhere, sister. I I had pie to make and show notes to do and house to clean and clothes to wash. No, I worked all weekend. I I went fuck nowhere. I have to say all all of Kassar are in Florida. Were they all holding up signs at political (laughs) rallies? God, I don't know, but I thought Trump was having one today, or Rubio. I don't know. They're both equally as bad in my book. That that was uh, the the another vaping thing that happened was yeah, the signs appearing at the political rallies. Yeah, I vape. I vote. I... <laughs> <laughs> don't do that at a Trump rally. They'll throw you out. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I oh, should no, think. no, not necessarily just throw you out. If you get punched by a Trump supporter. They will bundle you to the ground arrest and arrest you for being punched. <laughs> so. Oh, God. You know, so I've got a friend who his family's from Italy, and he's all, like, freaked out because his grandparents and his father, they've never, like, gone through and gotten a, a green card. You know, they've just been here and been here and been here. He's like, my God, they're going to send, they're going to send my people back. I'm like, they're sending them back to Italy, a place with good food and a nice climate. I'm like, but they might not send them back. And here's the thing that would scare me. If we got a President Trump, what if he took all those people and decided to use them as labor to build his fucking wall? I think that would scare me more than being sent back. Yeah. To wherever I came from, just saying. Yeah, because whistleblowers from the Trump organization. Yeah. He's not a pleasant guy to work for. Mm, imagine that. He seems so likable, you know. He seems like such a, a great man. He, he's such a wonderful man that he has to search abroad for women. If it weren't for immigrants, no one would marry that man. Yeah. Did you see Hillary make, made a statement about... I support can't stand Hillary. that cunt. I hope she dies. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> about how we have to support our military and our veterans. Oh, well, you know, the best way to support them is to start another conflict in fucking Libya, because that went well. Yeah, I I sat there taking drinking coffee and spit coffee all over the place. I cannot stand that woman. God. Uh, And I'm sorry for all the Hillary Hillary supporters I might have um, offended there. Um, There's there's a reason I can't stand her and... and, uh, it goes with a long list of dead bodies that are attached to her and Bill. Um, and it's just amazing to me. Nobody talks about this stuff. These people are like the people who testified before the fucking Warren Commission. They just have these improbable causes of death and nobody makes anything of it. Sorry. Um, let's not talk about things I can't talk about because then I sound like Alex Jones. Um, the FBI has a new plan to spy on high school kids across the country. That sounds like Bond doesn't. Right. Bernie will like that, won't he? Yeah, this one pissed me off. That's surprising. I found it a joy to read. No, I'm kidding. 
new surveillance program urges teachers to report students critical of government policies and Western corruption. Under new guidelines, the FBI is instructing high schools across the country to report students who criticize government policies and Western corruption as potential future terrorists, warning that, quote, anarchist extremists are in the same category as ISIS and young people who are poor, immigrants, or travel to suspicious countries are more likely to commit horrific violence. Based on the widely unpopular British Anti-Terror Mass Surveillance Program, the FBI's Preventing Violent Extremism in Schools guidelines, released in January, are almost certainly designed to single out and target Muslim American communities. However, it's cautioned to avoid the appearance of discrimination. The agency identifies risk factors that are so broad and vague that virtually any young person could be deemed dangerous and worthy of surveillance, especially if she is socioeconomically marginalized or politically outspoken. This overwhelming threat is then used to justify mass surveillance apparatus wherein educators and pupils function as extensions of the FBI by watching and informing on each other. The FBI's justification, justification for such surveillance is based on McCarthy-era theories of radicalization in which authorities monitor thoughts and behaviors that they claim lead to acts of violence, subver violent subversion, even if those people being watched have not committed any wrongdoing. This model has been widely discredited as a violence prevention method, including by the U.S. government, but is now being imported to schools nationwide as official federal policy. The new guidelines depict high schools as hotbeds of extremism, where dangers lurk in every corner. High school students are ideal targets for recruitment by violent extremists, seeking support for their radical ideologies, foreign fighter networks, or conducting acts of violence within our borders, the document warns, claiming that youth possess inherent risk factors. In light of this alleged threat, the FBI instructs teachers to incorporate a two-hour block of violent extremism awareness training into the core curriculum for all youth in grades 9 through 12. According to the FBI's Educational Materials for Teenagers, circulated as a visual aid to the new guidelines, the following offenses constitute signs that could mean someone plans to commit violence and should therefore be, therefore be reported. Talking about traveling to places that sound suspicious, using code words or unusual language, using several different cell phones and private messaging apps, and studying or taking pictures of potential targets like a government building. Under the category of domestic terrorists, the educational materials warn of the threat posed by, quote, anarchist extremists. The FBI states, anarchist extremists believe that society should have no government, laws or police, and they are loosely organized with no central leadership. Violent anarchist extremists usually target symbols of capitalism they believe to be the cause of all problems in society, such as large corporations, government organizations, and police agencies. Similarly, the animal rights extremists and environmental extremists are placed alongside white supremacy extremists, ISIS, and Al-Qaeda as terrorists out to recruit high school students. The materials also instruct students to watch out for extremist propaganda messages that communicate criticisms of corrupt Western nations and express government mistrust. If you see suspicious behavior that might lead to violent extremism, the resource states, consider reporting it to someone you trust, including local law enforcement officials like police officers and FBI agents. This terrorist threat does not stay within geographic bounds of high schools, but extends to the internet, which FBI guidelines describe as a, quote, playground for extremism. 
The agency warns that online gaming is sometimes used to communicate train or plan terrorist activities. I know, because Sonic the Hedgehog is, like, perfect for training terrorists. <clears throat> the agent... Okay. Encryption, ominously referred to as going dark, is often used to facilitate extremism discussions, the agency states. In reality, encryption is a commonly used form of protection against government spying and identity theft and is often employed to safeguard financial transactions. At the surface level, the FBI's new guidelines do not appear out to single out Muslim students. The document and supplementary educational materials warn of a broad array of threats, including anti-abortion and white supremacy extremists. The Jewish Defense League is listed alongside Hezbollah and Al-Qaeda as an imminent danger to young people in the United States. But a closer read reveals that the FBI consistently invokes an Islamic threat without naming it. Cultural and religious differences, as well as criticism of Western imperialism, are repeatedly mentioned as risk factors for future extremism. Some immigrant families may not be sufficiently present in a youth's life due to work constraints to foster critical thinking, the guidelines state. The document aims to encourage schools to monitor their students more carefully for signs of radicalization, but its definition of radicalization is vague, says Aran Kudani, author of The Muslims Are Coming, Islamophobia, Extremism, and the Domestic War on Terror, and an adjunct professor at New York University. Drawing on the junk science of radicalization models, the document dangerously blurs the distinction between legitimate ideological expression and violent criminal action. In practice, schools seeking to implement this document will end up monitoring Muslim students disproportionately. Kadani told Alternate, Muslims who access religious or political material will be seen as suspicious, even though there is no reason to think such material indicates a likelihood of terrorism. Oh, now, that yes. upset you, Jeannie? This is so fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Okay, first, first a fact. Okay. Okay. Teachers have been trained on what to watch for. That's part of their fucking job. Okay. Mm -hmm. My my kid's girlfriend um, had a physical altercation at school. Okay. And she was struck. And, and she wasn't struck in a, in a warm, fuzzy kind of way. Right. Do you know that this girl got the same punishment as, as the person that instigated the physical altercation? Now, a, as a mom, and, 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 I, and I will openly admit that I used to be a school board director, I was pissed. I said, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I was talking to the girl's mother. I said, did you request to see the videotape of this altercation? And she said, well, they said they can't show me. I said, that's bullshit right there. Right. Because your taxes paid for that security system and your child was involved in this incident. They had videotape of it. They are required by law to show you this tape. One. Right. I said, two, when they showed you said tape, I would have took my watch and hit, uh, started a timer. And waited until one of the paid educators whose job it was to keep your child safe intervened in this altercation. And she said, well, they never did. I said, that's my fucking point. That's exactly my point. How long was your kid supposed to stand there and take it and get smacked in the face? 
She said, well, you know, Bernie broke it up. I said, exactly. My child got in the middle of it to break it up because none of the adults who were in plain view of this incident were doing their job. That's the problem. So these teachers that are paid to notice all of this stuff, if, if this were true, Jan, would we still have a gang problem in schools? Well, no. Would we still have a drug problem in schools? Uh, no. So with the guidelines that these people are setting, God forbid you're a tourist because you're going on a list. God forbid you have an Instagram account because you're going on a list. And everybody thinks that I'm over-exaggerating this stuff, but this is the reality of it. If, if taking a photo of a government building is illegal, yeah. well, don't take a picture of the Lincoln Memorial. Well, how many times gonna, have we yeah. talked about it, though? School, school I mean, trips, yeah. And we had like, this wonderful school trip. We all got arrested and accused of being terrorists. <laughs> They'd be like, well, no, there is some discretion. No, 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 fuck you. You made this law. It's a law. And that's the thing. And that's what people don't understand. Every time they, they pass a law or they do institute some program like this, what happens is people that are actually doing nothing wrong end up persecuted just because... That person that saw him do it doesn't like them, or so, they seem fishy the, to the other person. The thing that cracks me up is, yeah, I mean, the definitions are so wide. Mm -hmm. I mean, what talking about traveling to places that sound suspicious? Well, yeah, every yeah, I've seen I've seen some of the geography answers from school children, and yeah, a couple of counties away, and they won't know what you're talking you could about. Have gone to a country that that. That seems suspicious. Okay, so wait. So Better all, not go to Uzbekistan. <laughs> all of the missionaries that are going out to give people blankets and food, that so they're, they're now going to be on a watch list? Oh, the other good one. Using code words or unusual language. The FBI have obviously not been around teenagers. Oh, shit. And don't remember being teenagers. Not even code words. My God, they speak a whole other fucking language. Yeah. Bay. Bay. Like, yeah. you realize, do you realize bay actually means shit in another language, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's slang for baby. I'm like, oh, because that word's so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, yeah. If you're supposed to report all this kind of behavior, I take it any time any pastor from any church is asked to speak <laughs> at a school, there'll be hundreds of reports. Every time the military do a recruitment drive and send guys to schools. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of reports. You know, uh, it, it sounds wacky, but speaking about the photography thing before, I know Jeannie, you and I and Jeannie have talked about the guys who have been arrested for taking pictures of a fucking federal building. Yeah. Gone to jail. There's really? I was just one. taking a picture of a There was building. a weird one in the UK. The guy didn't get arrested because... Our, our police have got brains for the most part um, <laughs> but he was filming uh, on a, he'd set up his camera on a roundabout and was taking time lapse photos of basically 
entryway to a car park to a large shopping area, right? Right. The private security guards from this aforementioned area came along and told the guy it was against the law for him to be taking the photos, he didn't have permission, blah, 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 blah. He was in a roundabout in the middle of a public road. But they're saying, you don't have permission to take photographs, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, fine, I'll just pack up and go. No, no, you can't. you got to stay here till the police come. So th- they wouldn't let him go away. Funnily enough, the police turned up and went, yeah, okay, on you go. Because <laughs> the guy wasn't breaking any laws. Jesus. <laughs> you know, it, um, it, it takes see something, say something to an amazing extreme. Not that see something, say something was ever really a good thing. Um, Jeannie, do you know about the first currency that was printed in America? No. Have you ever seen photos of it? No. It's pretty cool. It's, it's got a snake on it. And it says, mind your own business. <laughs> yeah. See, there was a time when we weren't in everybody else's fucking business. And it was kind of a nice country to live in, or at least I like to think it was. Where you knew your neighbors and you could talk to them, but you weren't in their business. You know, watching them to make sure they weren't using suspicious words or allowing their little kids to go outside and play during the day, you know. Well, it must be said, you are in a country that's got historic form on that kind of thing. Because you did have the whole Salem thing go on. Well, it wasn't Which was kind of similar to this sort of thing. Um, Yeah, I mean... Spy on your neighbours, report them. We'll come and burn them as witches. Okay. (laughs) Over 17 million photos of the Lincoln Memorial on the internet. (laughs) Surprised it's that few. And that's Lincoln Memorial. I can't really see anybody, you know, taking out a terroristic threat on the Lincoln Memorial, but it was just something that struck in my mind because I've been there. Um, but I mean, so it's a, it's a government building. Mm-hmm. It is. So immediately, in in five second time, five seconds time, I have found out that there are seventeen over seventeen million people <laughs> needing to be on this watch list. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what makes you think that for creating government jobs? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's why we're building the data center in Utah. I mean, what, two tera, 200, it, it's yottabytes? I'm sorry, it's yottabytes Matrix of information? Shit, Tom, is the I mean, the, no, that a yottabyte was a thing until I started doing the show with you, Jan. Thanks for well, that. <laughs> yeah, well, 200, two, yeah, 200 yottabytes of information, that's more information that than has ever been written down. And that's what the data center in Utah is storing. That's what it's doing. I still think they need to shut the water off to that son of a bitch. Well, they do. I mean, that's what 10th Amendment Center was trying to do. Just because your government wants to spy on you doesn't mean that you have to support and supply them with aid to do it. I mean, I'm not afraid of anybody coming and, and saying, you know, you want to look through all I your- am. I think there's something You're bad about not. It. Go ahead. I'm I'm terrified of that. I'm terrified because I know, but people, individual people are great. Large groups of people are big dumb animals. They're like cows. L- look, please look at what's happening at the Trump rallies. 
Um, for instance, I saw a charming picture of a woman who looked like my grandmother doing the Heil Hitler salute. That just made me fucking proud. Never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. That's what led to the Salem Witch Trials. That's what leads to that sort of thing. Yeah, fascism in general yeah. tends to like large dumb crowds. <laughs> and Trump openly says he likes uneducated people. I can remember Trump saying in 1989, I should run for president of the United States and I should run as a Republican because they're all idiots and I would I would turn some numbers that would scare the shit out of Washington. He said it. He said it in an interview with people. You can go look it up. Yeah, He's not wrong. It is scary. <laughs> yeah. So yes, when, when he was younger, there's a lot of the TV appearances where, yeah, he talks about running for president. Yes. He does. And, and the videos are now on YouTube. It, it doesn't matter who's doing it. Um, what matters is the fact that large groups of people, you'll find more people are sympathy. When you see somebody doing something in a large group of people, you feel more comfortable doing it yourself. Um, I don't care if it was a plant by one of the other campaigns. I, and I can't disprove that. I mean, because politics is fucking dirty, ugly business. And considering you're just going to get what Wall Street wants you to choose from, that's why we have superdelegates and stuff, it's, it's pretty fucked up the way it's run. Well, the, the it's thing about like um, reality TV. The That's thing about mass is. behavior, I like. I like the joke story. I I don't know the real how it did actually begin, but yeah, the jokey story where oh yeah, the first Mexican wave was just when two people happened to get up at the same time to go to the toilet, and everybody else just followed <laughs> suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I could kind of believe that, you know. Stadium. Oh, so can I. I've done. I've, I've, when I was a student, I did the classic thing, which is in the middle of a busy, busy city, stand and look up at a random <laughs> point. Within minutes, you'll have a dozen people around you standing looking up at what you're not looking at. <laughs> then you just walk off and you can watch for a bit, because this will go on for quite a while. Because new people will show up and start looking up. <laughs> Um, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours put up a mm -hmm. post this week, Janet, and it reminded me so much of you. And it was in reference to freedom of speech. And, was uh, it Was it John W. Whitehead? No. It was Mal. Was it? Okay. No, no, I mean, did the person who write... Never mind, go ahead. Yeah, I will defend it, to, even though I don't like what you will say, I will defend your right yeah. to say it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and... There is so much hatred and intolerance now. And I am not a fan of the KKK. I'm not a fan of the KKK in any fucking way, shape, or form. I think these people are vile and disgusting. You cannot hate an entire group of people that you don't even know based solely on the color of their skin. Um, that, that just sickens me. But when they're having a peaceful rally, that's exactly what it is. We have freedom of speech here. If you don't like what they're saying, you have the freedom to not listen to it. And when we, when we crush freedom, go ahead. And 
you know, these protests have arrived and you got all these people on social media going, yeah, because that's right. If the KKK shows up, them motherfuckers deserve a punch in the mouth. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, dude. So, so you're having a rally about not liking the meat industry. So every farm worker in the world is allowed to come up and physically attack you. <laughs> your fucking ass because they don't happen to like your view. I mean, and as I said, not a fan of the KKK. These people disgust me. Right. I think racism is is a horrible, horrible thing. But it is their right in a free country to assemble and peacefully put out their message. You don't like their message, don't listen. I, I I hate him as much as the next person. Well, the the interesting one over here. <laughs> I know you won't see a lot of the British news on this, but yeah, we we have similar things. I mean, everyone's got their racist organisations. We have one called the English Defence League. <laughs> Funnily enough, if you're not English, we don't like you, basically. <laughs> but obviously, only if you're English and white, and you know. The usual little things. So, but what happens like, in the UK is these guys announce they're going to have a rally. Then one of the anti-them groups then announces they're going to have a rally on the same day. So then you have multiple rallies happening in the same town and shitloads of policemen in, keeping them all separated. Uh, so, yeah, it, but that's the free speech thing. As soon as one group says, we're going to go there and have a rally, one of their opposition groups goes, well, we'll go there as well, and also. So, yeah, and, you just have these groups it, shouting at each other over the lines of policemen. Which uh, is longer a peaceful gathering. Yeah. Right. Um, but I was going to, when, when you, I'm, I'm looking for it to see if I can find the video. Um, it's called, um, you have the right to tell the government to shut up. And, and I want to play it um, after I say what I'm going to say. Once you shut down, and this, this show is going completely off the rails. Once you shut down the ability of, no, it's good. Um, once you shut down the ability of people to peacefully tell the government to go fuck itself or their enemies to go to hell, you open yourself up to violent extremism. Mm-hmm. And that should terrify everybody. That, I mean, that's <laughs> the, the big thing now is you got one side saying, oh, look, these people were ejected from so-and-so's political rally for having a sign. And it's like, okay, wait, oh, slow your roll there, folks. Slow your roll. Because if you look, this has been happening at everybody's rallies. Mm-hmm. To well, say that you don't like something only because this person happens to be doing it right now is is ridiculously ignorant. I stuck the, the video, the link to where the video is in the Skype chat. Um, you really don't want to live in a world where you don't have the ability to say, this sucks, this government policy sucks. Um, it's not a place you want to live in. You don't want to live in a place where one group can't stand being insulted by another group, so they start shit with each other. And 
the government thinking the best way to deal with it is to shut down free speech. That's why it's hilarious over here when you have these multiple groups all of rallies shouting at each other. Great for the media, of course. Uh, but there, there hasn't actually been... Speech, though. Yeah, I mean... I mean yeah. It's, it's insane. Speech, it's just words. Yeah. It's words. The best one was um, Britain's First. That's yeah. We have multiple different groups of basically... KKK type people, Britain's first. <laughs> they they had a they had a rally where they were going to walk through this town and we're taking this town back because it was the place where they were going to build this big mosque. So they don't like that. Stop teaching children that nursery rhyme. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, that's that is what we. Do. Steve Hughes has like. Does anybody know who Steve Hughes is? Very, you know who Steve Hughes is. Yeah. He, he does this whole thing where he talks about health and health and safety <laughs> and health health and safety is where the government physically forces you to act a certain way and then there are other laws where they stomp down on your freedom of speech because someone might get offended and he's like why do, isn't sticks and stones may break my bones isn't that what we teach children for god's sake no, no, apparently we now teach them that colleges need to have safe areas. Safe spaces. Fuck so, that. So somebody can't come in and say something that I might find... Oh, it might, it might, it might be offensive it might or upset me. me. It's triggering. It's triggering me. Fuck you. I was in... I can remember. I was in first grade. I was little. Little bitty. Right. And um, my maiden name is Kaiser. Yeah, folks, I'm a little bit German in my uh, lineage there. Um, so, Do you know who Kaiser Sose is? <laughs> oh, oh, that's such a good movie. Oh, God. Best movie so, ever. I'm, I'm sitting there, and I come home from school, and I'm all sad. And my mom's like, what's the matter? I said, well, they're calling me names. And my mom says, well, what do you mean? Well, it started out, you know, you know how little kids taunt each other? Well, somehow Kaiser ended up in Kaiser, Kaiser, Fryer, and the next thing I know, I was getting called um, fried fish. What? Oh, oh, I'm fucked if I know. It's first grade, okay? It was yeah, first kids. Grade. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I come home, and I'm all upset over it, and my mom says, what are, why? So? <laughs> and I'm like, but it hurt my feelings, and my mom says, and I can remember very distinctly my mother looking at me and saying, well, you like fish fries, right? Well, yeah, but it's not the same. And my mom said, it's exactly the same. What is the problem? Exactly. It's just It'll... words. It's just words. Um, anytime you want to play that video, very. Yeah, come do. Okay. I think you guys will like this. This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation.
What we're facing right now in this country is a crisis among the citizens on being able to think and speak. And the key thing about what the Founding Fathers gave us in America was the First Amendment. The First Amendment is there to guarantee the right of open public debate, disagreement. In fact, uh, Louis Brandeis, one of the uh, great outspoken Supreme Court judges, said the Founding Fathers weren't cowards. They weren't afraid of free speech. They were ready to stand in the gap. And if you didn't like what you hear, you didn't like it, but let's put it this way. As James Madison, who wrote the First Amendment, said, the First Amendment was written to protect the minority against the majority. What he meant by minority was that person that gets out there that no one seems to like, it's the minority, the 1% first person, and not violent, but out there on the street corner yelling and screaming about something no one wants to hear. That's what the First Amendment protects. Well, the key here is if it protects that person, it protects us as well. What I'm seeing happen in this country with political correctness, uh, zero tolerance policies in schools, some of the crazy things we're seeing where people are afraid to speak, they're afraid to pronounce words. I was told by a recent uh, group of uh, kids in grade school that they had certain target words they could not say. They had to spell them out if they could spell them. I asked them what some of the words were. Believe it or not, one of the words was guns. They called it the G word. So. I was wondering how, in that school, how you would teach uh, civics, the Second Amendment, how you would tell a student over that the man we have over there, or the troops over in uh, Afghanistan carrying those weapons, what are they carrying? Are they carrying guns or Gs? I think it was George Orwell who predicted all this was coming, and he said it really clearly. If, the, if the, what, what we really need is the right to speak out and tell people what they don't want to hear. We want to make people think, but unfortunately, it looks like we're moving to a non-thinking culture. What amazes me about our current state of affairs, being a free speech purist, is how we're categorizing speeches into certain categories. And they're words afraid that people are afraid to speak about, or they're reported if they say it, or they're extremists if they say it. Let me give you some examples. There's offensive, politically incorrect, or unsafe speech. College campuses have become the hotbeds of student-led censorship with trigger warnings, microaggressions, red light speech policies, targeting anyone who might cause someone to feel uncomfortable, unsafe, or offended. In fact, some schools are requiring students to report students who tell jokes that might offend someone. Then there's bullying, intimidating speech, warning that school bullies become tomorrow's hate crimes. Uh, the Justice Department has led the way in urging schools to curtail bullying, going so far as to classify teasing as a form of bullying or rude and hurtful text messages as cyberbullying. Then there's hateful speech, hate speech, speech that attacks a person or group on the basis of attributes such as gender, ethnic origin, religion, race, disability, or sexual orientation is the primary candidate for online censorship. In fact, some of the corporate intertech giants which have such an important impact on Influencing government and government policies, Google, Twitter, Facebook, are in the process of determining what kinds of speech will be permitted online and they will be deleted. Then there's dangerous anti-government speech. The government right now is on a war against extremism. The Obama administration, in fact, is partnering with the technological industry to establish a task force to counter online propaganda by so-called extremists, etc. What we're going to develop, and I'm seeing it coming, is people who do not think anymore. It's what George Orwell in his book 1984 called newspeak. Newspeak. New words are made up. We hide from words. We're afraid to speak in open public forums where the First Amendment operates. 
Again, that's why the First Amendment is so important, why we have to keep it alive. But you know, I question lawyers, when I speak to lawyer groups and law students sometimes, they can't even tell me what's in the First Amendment. I have yet to find, in 30 years of questioning law students that come into my summer program to give me the five freedoms in the First Amendment, I have yet to find one who can. They're not teaching it in school anymore. One thing we have to be careful of, and this is really important, is how the First Amendment operates, it's like a steam valve. There are people out there who are angry, they're mad, they're tired of things. They want to let off steam, they want to do it in a public place. In my opinion, let them do it. What we found in former societies, and we're, and we're starting to see it in this country, if you bottle up free speech, you're going to create people who are ready to take action and get violent. And that's what's being forced right now in some situations. So how are we going to change this thing? How are we going to make sure? We're going to have to protect free speech. If we no longer have the right to tell a census worker to get off our property, if we no longer have the right to tell a police officer to get a warrant before they dare walk through our door, if we no longer have a right to stand in front of the Supreme Court wearing a protest sign, or approach an elected representative to share our views, if we no longer have the right to voice our opinions in public, no matter how hateful, prejudiced, intolerant, misguided, or politically incorrect they might be, then folks, we don't have free speech. So what does a government that oppresses free speech, whether it's in colleges, public schools we're seeing today, on street corners, can't talk back to a police officer, what do they really want? They want docile sheep that will march in lockstep with a police state. And the Founding Fathers said no to that. They said, folks, you have a right to tell the government to go to hell and it's protected by our Constitution. For more information about the Rutherford Institute, visit us at www.rutherford.org. And I think all that's true. Yeah. It didn't seem untrue to me, Jeannie. Oh, it's very true. Yeah. So yeah, not... too, too many people now are seem to be of the opinion we have the right to free speech but only if I agree with what you say that seems to be what it is online these days it's insane yeah. <laughs> it is insane um, so did anybody hear about what Utah did okay I'm going to take that as a no <laughs> okay so uh they uh, they declared pornography a public health crisis. Oh, God. Salt Lake City, Utah lawmakers took a bold step in the final minutes of the 2016 legislative season. Late Friday night, the Utah House of Representatives passed a resolution declaring pornography a public health crisis. The resolution is the first of its kind in the country. Society must see the evil of the epidemic it is, said Jerry Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, member of the LDS Church Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. This ought to be seen like a public health crisis, like a war, like an infectious fatal epidemic, like a moral plague on the body politic that is maiming the lives of our citizens. On Saturday, Elder Holland and other community leaders met at a conference organized by the Utah Coalition Against Pornography to speak out against what they call a growing epidemic as dangerous as an infectious disease. We do need to see this pornography 
like an avian flu, cholera, diphtheria, or polio, said Elder Holland. It needs to be eradicated. Elder Holland said pornography should be treated like a war, that people from every faith should fight together. Catholic bishops, Protestant ministers, Jewish rabbis, and Muslim mullahs have all spoken out on this sin because God himself has spoken out on it, Elder Holland said. Nearly 3,000 people attended the UCAP conference compared to 200 people 15 years ago. Organizers say it shows that families are becoming aware of the issue, but demonstrates how big of a problem pornography has become. Anti-porn activists point to statistics to show pornography is a growing concern. They say porn sites get 450 million unique visits every month. That's more than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. When it comes to kids, they say 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to pornography before age 18. You've got young children, said attendee Karen Ashby. It's good they learn this type of stuff before it happens. Another attendee said the event can help anyone. All of us have people that we know that are addicted to pornography, said attendee Alan Demieux. Even if we don't know that there's an addict in our life, there is someone that we know who can benefit from events like this. Pamela Atkinson is a community advocate who chairs UCAP. She wants people attending the conference to leave with one thing, hope. People leave here with the hope that they can heal their loved ones, heal their marriages, prevent destruction, and the breakup of families, Atkinson said. The resolution declaring pornography a public health crisis will be sent to Governor Gary Herbert for his signature. Really? The insanity continues. Yes. And yet... Well, one of the most hilarious anti-pornography things in history was Victorians. Right. British Victorians right. took over most of you know large parts of the world and set up the right. empire and and did amazing things like all the ancient Greek beautiful sculptures. Oh no, that that's got a penis on it and went and chipped it off. <sighs> Insisted, you know, masterpieces would have to have a cover over <laughs> private areas if shown in public, all this kind of thing. And yeah, uh, and what was happening behind the scenes? You know, publicly you couldn't show any of this stuff. Behind the scenes, some of the most perverted acts in history were going on in people's <laughs> houses. Because people are people. They are. Um, so, Michael Morris in chat was saying one of Bernie Sanders' people told me they were fighting for freedom. They weren't going to put up with hate speech. Like, how? Okay. I must just not understand that thinking. I'm not sophisticated enough to understand the thinking of no hate speech. I'm fighting for freedom. Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, <laughs> that sounds fucking awesome. That well, it's is, pe- it's people that that is don't tolerance. Know that it's, it's people who don't know what f- the word freedom means and need to go look at a dictionary. I think I assume it means different things to different people. Um, I didn't know censoring of speech was one of the things that it meant to fuck anybody. It kind of scares me what schools are doing now. And and did you see what happened in Texas when they passed that open carry for colleges law? No. What happened? Oh my God. 
they they sent down this internal document to all the teachers and telling them not to teach anything that might upset somebody or set them off because then they might just pull out their gun and shoot them kill them god i'm like oh that's that's lovely that's just i don't think college students are idiots i don't think they need to be coddled they need to be exposed to different ideas yeah, this, this, this is how you get your brain operating, is comparing different ideas and coming up with your own ideas based on those. That's that's called cognition, you know, that, that's your brain operating. Apparently, yeah, you're, yeah, apparently that's not, that's not an, that's not allowed anymore. Uh, you don't I mean, want people thinking. but is it, is it everywhere? I mean, is it just here? Is it like that in the UK? Or are, are uh, college students like that there? There has been a bit of it come up recently. But mostly it's, you know, people who've suggested such ideas have been told to piss off. Because, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have a constitution telling us what free speech is. We've got other laws that do that. And, yeah, there have been... Um, instances in colleges where... Um, what other people classes? Oh, you can't say that. I I don't agree with it. Uh, you're invading my my brain with your weird ideas. But <laughs> mostly, mostly what happens is, um, well, it's like uh, that stupid journalist woman. I'm not even going to name her. You know, um, <laughs> the hate the the woman who all she does is hate speech. Um, she got invited to speak at a college. And what happened at her meeting was the room was packed when when she came in. Not a free seat in the place. And then she started speaking and half the audience got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> you know That's how you deal with it. You don't have the event banned, you don't complain, yeah. you just show up, show your displeasure and leave. Um, I fire the foundation for this place. Stick the link in the chat. They do a lot of good work and they're defending a lot of professors that are being tossed out of campuses for teaching stuff that students find triggering, even though it's actual history. History teachers are being fired for it, for upsetting the students. It's not just history teachers. I know. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. How can you learn something if you never learned something that's controversial? Yeah, aren't I mean, if you're not allowed to have ideas that you don't agree with, aren't they just going to have to stop teaching sociology altogether? Because that's basically what it is. (laughs) Is arguing. You know, is they're going to have to stop teaching everything. everything. On, they won't be able to have debate debate competitions in all your schools anymore, because no, no. somebody in the audience might disagree with something somebody says. <laughs> I find that right now is one of the the weirder slash scarier times in history. Just because I think people are so. They're justifiably fed up with the choices the government is giving them. 
and yet you have another generation coming up behind my generation that is absolutely fine with what the government has given them, including taking away their right to privacy. It's just a very strange time to be alive and see this sort of thing. Okay, so I said we would talk about stingrays. Do you want the music? I do want the music, yeah. Stand by for action. We are about to launch Stingray. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Okay, the title of this one is called What Happens When the Surveillance State Becomes an Affordable Gadget? Maybe it doesn't faze you that your local police have a $400,000 device that listens on cell phones. How will you feel when your neighbor has a $1,500 version? When Daniel Ringdeman was a little boy, his grandfather, a veteran of World War II in Korea, used to drive him along the roads of Montgomery, California, playing him tapes of Ronald Reagan's speeches. <sighs> Something about the ideals of small government and personal freedom may have affected him more deeply than he realized. I really... <clears throat> By the time Rigman became a disaffected, punk-rock-loving teenager, everything about living in America disappointed him, from the two-party system to taxes. Wow. I like this guy already. At that age, everybody's looking for something to rebel against, he tells me over Mexican food in Phoenix, where, until recently, he was required to live under the conditions of his parole. I thought, I either have to fight the rigged system, or I have to opt out completely. Rigdeman is 35, hence slender, quiet with a sardonic smile and a thick shock of jet black hair. Speaking softly and rapidly, he tells the story of how he evolved from a bottom-feeding internet outlaw to one of the nation's most precedent technological privacy activists. Rigdeman left home in 1999 after graduating high school and spent almost a decade knocking around in college towns in California, living under a series of assumed names. I didn't want to be constrained by all the rules of society, he said. It just didn't seem real to me. He'd spend weeks living in the woods, scrounging for food and water, testing his limits, then he'd find a place to crash for a while and make a little money on the internet for selling fake IDs, then moving on to more serious crimes. In 2006, he wrote software to mine information from databases on the internet, names, birth dates, social security numbers, and the employer identification numbers of businesses. Then he filed fake tax returns, hundreds of them, collecting a modest refund with each. He bought gold coins with cash, built a nest egg of about $500,000, and planned to move to South America when the time was right. Then in 2008, an FBI, IRS, and U.S. Postal Service task force grabbed Rigmarin at his apartment in San Jose, and indicted him on enough wire fraud and identity theft charges to put him away for the rest of his life. Only after he was caught did the authorities learn his real name. The mystery, at least to Rigdemarin, was how they found him at all. He'd been living completely off the grid. The only thing connecting him to the world outside his apartment, he knew, was the wireless air card of his laptop. To find him, he reasoned, the people who caught him would have to pluck the signal from his particular air card out of a wilderness of other signals in pinpoint his location. To do that, they'd need a device that, as far as he knew, didn't exist. Rigdemarin made it his mission to find out what that device was, 
He was jailed but never tried. He slowed down the process by filing endless motions contesting his arrest, insisting he'd essentially been wiretapped without a warrant. In the prison library, he became a student of telecommunications. Among the most important things he learned was that whenever a cell tower communicates with a cell tower, it transmits an International Mobile Subscriber Identity, or IMSI. His air card, like a cell phone, had an IMSI. He reasoned that the government had to have a gadget that masqueraded as the cell tower, tricking his air card into handing over its IMSI, which was then matched up to the IMSI connected to all his online phony tax filings. It was inference at first, but if it was true, it would be enough to make the case that what was done to his air card was an illegal search. It took two years before Rigmarin found the first real glimmer of proof. He was plowing through a stash of records that the Electronic Frontier Foundation had unearthed in the files of the FBI's Digital Collection System Network, Bureau's Technological Communications Monitoring Program, and noticed a few mention of a wireless intercept and tracking team, a unit set up specifically for targeting telephones cell phones. He connected what he found there to an agenda he found from a city council meeting in Florida in which a local police department was seeking permission to buy surveillance equipment. The attachment gave the equipment a name, Stingray, made by Harris Corp. The Stingray is a suitcase-sized device that tricks phones into giving up their serial numbers, and often their phone calls and texts, by pretending to be a cell phone tower. The technological name for such a device is an IMSI catcher or cell site simulator. It retails for about $400,000. Harris and competitors like Digital Receiver Technology, a subsidiary of Boeing, sell IMSI catchers to the military and intelligence communities, and since 2007, to police departments in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and more than 50 other cities in 21 states. The signals that phones send to the devices can be used not just to locate any phone police are looking for, in some cases with an accuracy of just two meters, but to see who else is around as well. IMSI catchers can scan Times Square, for instance, or an apartment building or political demonstration. Rigdemarin built a file of hundreds of pages thick about the Stingray and all its cousins and competitors, Triggerfish, Kingfish, Amberjack, Harpoon. Once he was able to expose their secret use, the FBI required the police departments that used them to sign non-disclosure agreements. The privacy and civil liberties world took notice. In his own case, Rigmarin filed hundreds of motions over almost six years until he was finally offered a plea deal, conspiracy, mail fraud, and two counts of wire fraud in exchange for time served. He got out in April 2014, and his probation ended in January. Now Rigmarin is a free man, a Rick Van Winkle awakening in a world where cell phone surveillance and security is a battleground for everyone. In the ongoing scrum over cell phone privacy, there are at least two major fields of play. Phone data encryption, in which right now Apple is doing its best not to share its methods with the government, and network security, in which the police and the military have been exploiting barn door sized vulnerabilities for years. And it's not just the government that could be storming through. The same devices that the police used to find one low rent tax fraudster are now, several layers later, cheaper and easier to make than ever. Anybody can make a stingray with parts from the internet, Rick Marin tells me, citing a long literary of experiments over the years in which researchers have done just that. The service provider is never going to know. There's never any disruption. It's basically completely stealth. In the coming age of de de decentralized surveillance, the person hacking into your cell phone might not be the police or the FBI. It could be your next door neighbor. In February, on a snowy morning in Annapolis, Maryland, a panel of three judges is hearing an argument in the first Stingray case to make it in an appeals court. 
It's the case of Karen Andrews, a 25-year-old man arrested two years ago in Baltimore for attempted murder. His court-appointed lawyer did what a lot of court-appointed lawyers in Baltimore have been doing in recent years. Inspired by the Rigmarine case, she contested his arrest on Fourth Amendment grounds, arguing that the technology used to apprehend the suspect was not specified in the court order allowing police to search him at a particular home. At first, prosecutors said they could not confirm that any technology was used at all. Those non-disclosure agreements have kept more police departments quiet. But eventually, they conceded that the police found Andrews with a hailstorm, a next-generation version of the Stingray, also built by Harris. When a judge tossed out most of the evidence in the case, the state appealed, making Marilyn v. Andrews the first IMSI catcher case to potentially make sweeping case law at the appellate level. During arguments, at least two of the three appellate judges on the panel appear skeptical of the state's case. Judge Daniel Friedman seems exasperated that the police and prosecutors didn't seem to understand the hailstorm well enough to know if it was intruding on the privacy of suspects. Judge Andrea Leahy suggests that the case fits tightly into the Supreme Court's 2012 decision, USA v. Jones, which ruled that the police could not install the GPS device on someone's car without a warrant. Wiretaps require a warrant, she said. Then Daniel Coburn, the appellate lawyer representing Andrews, argues in a way that would make Tim Cook proud that the hailstorm violates everyone's reasonable expectation of privacy. Unlike, say, the garbage you'd leave outside your home, Coburn says, there's nothing about a phone that is thought of as fair game for the police. When I have my phone and I'm walking down the street, I'm not telling my phone to let Verizon or Sprint or T-Mobile know where I am, the lawyer says. Phones are not tracking devices. Nobody buys them for that reason. Nobody uses them for that reason. A few weeks later, the panel would affirm the lower court's decision to suppress evidence seized as the result of the use of the hailstorm. Soon, Maryland may have to go the way of Washington State and require explicit language in its warrants about the use of any cell site simulators to catch clients. Watching the proceedings from the gallery is Christopher Segoyan, the principal technologist for the ACLU. He, even more than Rigmarin, may be the person most responsible for exposing the vulnerability of the telecommunications system to surveillance and goading the states one by one to regulate its use. A bearded, long-haired PhD from Indiana University, Zagoyan has been raising the alarm about the Stingray for five years, ever since he got a message sent by Rigmarin from prison saying he could prove police hacked his phone. I remember seeing it in the wire, Zagoyan says, but I thought it was fictional. Phone tracking gadgets are a television staple, also popping up in Homeland. Segoyan's colleagues educated dozens of public defenders in Maryland about the police's favorite toy. In one case last summer, a detective testified that Baltimore police have used a hailstorm some 4,300 times. That's why there are so many stingray cases in Baltimore, Segoyan tells me, because the defense lawyers were all told about it. Harris is a publicly traded Florida defense contractor with a $9.7 billion market cap and 22,000 employees. In the 70s, Harris built the first secured hotline between the White House and the Kremlin. Later, it branched out to GPS, air traffic management, and military radios. Harris's first visible foray into cell site simulation was in 1995 when the FBI used the Harris-made triggerfish to track down the notorious hacker Kevin Mitnick, who in his time seized proprietary software from some of the nation's largest telecom companies. The Stingray 2. The Stingray arrived a few years later, an update of the Triggerfish designed for new digital cellular networks. The first clients were soldiers and spies. The FBI loves IMSI catchers. 
It's how we find killers, Director James Comrie said. Even last fall, under pressure after Rick Murren's case and others became public, the Justice Department announced that the FBI would, in most cases, need warrants before using them. Most local police departments, though, aren't bound by that directive. Neither are foreign governments, which are widely suspected to be using IMSI catchers here, as we are no doubt using elsewhere. And so, amid the publicity over Stingray, a marketplace has opened up for countermeasures. On the low end, there's Snoop Snitch, an open-source app for Android that scans mobile data for fake cell sites. On the high end, there's Cryptophone, a heavily tricked-out cell phone sold by ESD America, a boutique technology company out of Las Vegas. The $3,500 Cryptophone scans all cell site signals it's communicating with, flagging anything suspicious. Even though Cryptophone cannot definitively, definitively verify the suspect cells and IMSI catchers, we sell out of every cryptophone we have each week, says ESD's 40-year-old chief executive officer, Les Goldsmith, who has marketed the phone for 11 years. There are literally hundreds of thousands of cryptophones globally. ESD's dream clients are nations. Last year, the company debuted a $7 million software suite called Overwatch, developed with German firm GSMK. Overwatch, ESD says, can help authorities locate illegal IMSI catchers using triangulation from sensors placed around a city. Right now, it's going into 25 different countries, Goldsmith says. On a parallel track to the defense market, hobbyists and hackers have gone to work on cell phone networks and found that if they do, that they can do a lot of what Harris can. In the early days of cell phones, when the signals were analog, like radio, DIY phone hacking was a cinch. Anyone could go to Radio Shack and buy a receiver listening in on calls. Congress grew concerned about that in the 1990s, held hearings with the cellular industry. It was an opportunity to shore up the networks. Instead, Congress chose to make it harder to buy the interception equipment. The idea was that when digital mobile technology took hold, intercepting digital signals would be too expensive for anyone to bother trying. That turned out to be more than a little short-sighted. For as long as you've been using a phone on 2G, also called GSM, network or any of its digital processors, your calls, texts, and locations have been vulnerable to an IMSI catcher. In 2008, researcher Tobias Ingle became the first to demonstrate a crude homemade IMSI catcher, listening to calls and reading texts on a pre-2G digital network. Two years later at DEF CON, hacking conference in Las Vegas, researcher Chris Paget monitored calls made on 2G with a gadget built for just $1,500. What made it so cheap was software-defined radio which all the complicated telecommunication tasks aren't pulled off by the hardware, but by software. If you couldn't write the software yourself, someone on the internet had probably already done it for you. Phones now operate on a more sophisticated 3 and 4G network. In theory, IMSI catchers can pinpoint only the location of these phones, not listen to calls or read texts. I know that matters if the IMSI catcher in question can just knock a phone back down to 2G and to Harris's Hailstorm, the successor to Stingray. It took us a while to stumble on some documents from the DEA to see that the hailstorm was a native LTE IMSI catcher, the ACLU Sagoyan says. It was like, wait a second, I thought it's not supposed to work on LTE, what's going on? They found a hint to that answer last fall when a research team out of Berlin and Helsinki announced it had built an IMSI catcher that could make an LTE phone leak, leak its location to within a 10 to 20 meter radius, and in some cases even its GPS coordinates. Basically, we downgraded to 2 or 3G, said, wow, Ravishanar Bagnacher, a 30-year-old PhD who has since been hired at Oxford. 
wanted to see if the promises given by the 4G systems were correct or not. They weren't. The price tag for this IMSI catcher, $1,400. As long as phones retain the option of 2G, calls made on them can be downgraded. And the phone carriers can't get rid of 2G, not if they want every phone to work everywhere. The more complex the system becomes, the more vulnerable it is. Phones as little computers are becoming more and more secure, says Kristen Knoll, chief scientist at Security Research Labs in Berlin. But phone networks, they're rather becoming less secure. Not because of any one action, but because there's more and more possibility for one of those technologies to be the weakest link. The device Bakneshore's team built is called a passive receptor, a sort of budget stingray. Instead of actively targeting a single cell phone to locate, downgrade to 2G and monitor, a passive receptor sits back and collects the IMSI of every cell signal that happens by. That's ideal for some police departments, which the Wall Street Journal reported last summer, have been buying passive devices in large numbers from KEYW, a Hanover, Maryland security company for about five grand a pop. One Florida law enforcement document described the devices as more portable and more reliable and quote, convert in functionality. If all you want to do who's see who, who's hanging out at a protest or inside a house or a church or a drug den, these passive receptors could be just the thing. A programmer I spoke to who has worked for Harris for Harris is of two minds about what the hobbyists are up to. There's a giant difference between do-it-yourself IMSI catchers and something like the Harris Stingray, he says proudly. Dad said he's taken with how fast the amateurs are catching up. I'd say the most impressive leap is the advancement of LTE support on software-defined radio. He said that came out of nowhere. From nothing to 2G took like 10 years, and from 2G to LTE took five years. We're not there yet, but they're coming. They're definitely coming. You don't have to look too far to see what a world of cheap and plentiful IMSI catchers looks like. Two years ago, China shut down two dozen factories that were manufacturing illegal IMSI catchers. The devices were being used to send text message spam to lure people into phishing sites. Instead of paying a cell phone company five cents per text message, the companies would put up a fake cell tower and send text for free to everyone in their area. That's ingenious. Then there's India. Once the government started buying cell site simulators, the calls of opposition party politicians and their spouses were monitored. We can track anyone we choose, an intelligence official told one Indian newspaper. The next targets were corporate. Most of the late night calls, apparently, were used to set up sexual liaisons. By 2010, senior government officials publicly acknowledged that the whole cell network in India was compromised. India is really a sort of temporary glimpse of what America will be like when this technology becomes widespread, Sagoyan says. The American phone system is no more secure than the Indian phone system. In America, the applications are obvious. Locating a Kardashian in those rare moments when she doesn't want the media to locate her is something any self-respecting TMZ intern would love to be able to do. What's the next Super Murdoch scandal when the paparazzi are using stingrays instead of hacking into voicemail, Sagoyan says. What does it matter when you can build one for $500 if you can buy one for $1,500? Because at the end of the day, the next generation of paparazzi are not going to be hackers. They're going to be reporters with expense accounts. Over coffee after court in Annapolis, Seguin and I pursue the Albia.com marketplace on his smartphone. He types in IMSI catcher, and a list materializes. The prices are all over the place, as low as $1,800. This one's from Nigeria. This one's $20,000, that one's from Bangladesh. I noticed the ones on sale here seem to work only on 2G, unlike the hailstorm. 
You can get a jammer for like 20 bucks, Sagoyan says. With that, you can roll back any phone to 2G. Pair the signal jammer with a cheap IMS eye catcher, and you've got a crude facsimile of a hailstorm. Every country knows it's vulnerable, but no one wants to fix the problem because they exploit that vulnerability. Two years ago, Representative Alan Grayson, a Democrat of Florida, wrote a concerned letter to the Federal Communications Commission about cellular surveillance vulnerabilities. Tom Wheeler, the industry lobbyist, who, former industry lobbyist who now runs the regulatory agency, committed a task force that has so far produced nothing. The commission's internal team continues to examine the facts surrounding IMSI catchers working with our federal partners and will consider necessary steps based on findings. Segoyan is an optimistic. The FDCC is sort of caught between a rock and a hard place, he says. They don't want to do anything to stop the devices that law enforcement is using from working. But if the law enforcement devices work, the criminal devices work too. Unlike the battle between the FBI and Apple, the network vulnerability struggle doesn't pit the public sector against the private. It's the public sector against itself. There's so much more of this I could read, but I don't want to go on for three or four more days. <laughs> or weeks. Um, this isn't something that can really be fixed, he says. It's just built into the way communications work. You can always zero in on one signal among many signals if you have enough data. You don't need to hack anything. Just analyze the signals in the air. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they've, I mean, they've known for more than a decade that the phone system, cellular phone system, is it's the really, really bad. But, yeah, nobody's <coughs> fixing it. Oh, of course they're not going to because... If the government fixed it, then the government couldn't have us all under surveillance. Yeah. Because it's easy as anything to build a cell phone that doesn't have 2G. But, mm -hmm. as said, they won't do it. Because then people living in well, places like Genie and further afield <laughs> wouldn't be able to buy a mobile phone. <laughs> or they could, but it just wouldn't work. Eh, <laughs> fuck you, Barry. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? I have 4G. I have 4G. Ah, you have the higher frequencies. Uh, I have 4G yeah. because I have a, a Verizon booster that plugs into my DSL connection. <laughs> but, <laughs> and here's and, and yeah. here's the messed up thing, okay? I can run a speed test on my hardwired computer to my router. And I can get a speed test of six down and a half a meg up. I can run a speed test on my phone, which is wireless to my booster, which is wireless to my DSL. And that speed test comes back with like 22 down and 5 up, which is not fucking possible. Um, no, no, it is. Because, uh, yeah, the, the technology the phone's using is using different data channels to your the normal DSL channel. No, well, that's it's just going along the same cable, but it's I'm using different frequencies, basically. It should be with the shit that's hardwired. Okay. Yeah. So, yet again, I'm an idiot. Um, no, it's just, no, it's because it's the way they wire these things up. It Basically, basically, they've wired up your house badly, and basically your DSL connection should be capable of similar speed to what you're getting on your phone. <laughs> So, yeah. My, I do have, I do have like, what is it, 
bonded DSL, so it's like two of them added. I don't know what the fuck it is. My husband installed it. He knows what it two is. Two cables. Yeah. It's his job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You've basically got two lines sliding yeah, together. Yeah. Why don't you go with Time Warner? Time Warner's faster. And I'm like, I still sleep with the guy that works for Frontier, so I better find <laughs> this. I, I have a despicably slow 70 down, 20 up. <sighs> Yeah, just just keep keep harping on that because it's despicably slow. Hey, there's people yeah. in the there's people in there's people in the UK have up to like three hundred down and fifty up. I don't want to hear about it. And you're, don't you're, get into what South Korea and Japan are up to. Produced in the UK, there's your answer. Yeah. But yeah, right. yeah. The, the despite what the media like to keep harping on about in the UK, there's plenty of fast internet over here. Yeah. Let's see. Go ahead. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. No, I'll wait because this comment goes more with one of your other stories, but you'll get it then too. Then, then tell me which one you want me to go with, because they're also fun. No, just go. Do your thing. Just, just go. So I've, just pick. I've derailed this fucking program enough today. That's okay. Um, yeah, but you weren't here for a few shows. Yeah, you weren't so, here yeah, for a couple I know, but I have a beautiful, beautiful brand new grandson. He's a week old today. He's such a little sweetheart. He is beautiful. Um, okay, so on Apple. Worried about Apple? California has a bill that would disable encryption on all phones. Smartphone users in California take notice. A new California State Assembly Bill would ban default encryption features on all smartphones. Assembly Bill 1681, introduced in January by Assembly Member Jim Cooper, would require any smartphones sold in California to be capable of being decrypted and unlocked by its manufacturer or its operating system provider. This is perhaps even more drastic than the legal precedent that's in at stake in Apple's ongoing showdown with the Justice Department in which the government is trying to force a private company to write code undermining key security features in specific cases. Both Apple and Google currently encrypt smartphones running their iOS and Android operating systems by default. AB 1681 would undo this default, penalizing manufacturers and providers of operating systems. $2,500 per device that cannot be decrypted at the time of sale. Similar proposals have been made by Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr., who published a white paper in November 2015, arguing that law enforcement needs to access the contents of smartphones to solve a large range of crimes. A nearly identical bill is also pending in the New York State Assembly. The Electronic Frontier Foundation opposes AB 1681 and all other state proposals to regulate smartphone encryption because they're a terrible policy. If passed, AB 1681 would leave law-abiding Californians at risk for identity theft, data breach, stalking, and other invasions of privacy with little benefit to law enforcement. It would be both ineffective and impossible to enforce. And if that weren't enough, it suffers from serious constitutional infirmities. Meanwhile, in the U.S. Congress, Representative Ted Lau has introduced H.R. 4528, the Encrypt Act, which would definitively preempt state bills like AB 1681. The Electronic Frontier Foundation agrees this is the right approach to state legislation in this area, although we'd like HR 4528 to go further and prevent Congress and the rest of the federal government from undermining encryption. 
Smartphones carry an astounding amount of personal information. It's what makes them so useful. As the Supreme Court recognized in 2014, they hold nothing less than the sum of an individual's private life. This makes smartphones ripe for theft, hacking, and other unwanted access to personal data. Anyone following the Office of Personal Management hack knows that breaches are a problem. Theft is also a serious concern. A 2014 survey found that fully 10% of individuals whose phones were stolen were then victims of further identity or, identity or data theft, and 12% have fraudulent charges or banking and credit card accounts. And according to Consumer Reports, more than 3 million smartphones were stolen in 2013 in the United States. Additionally, some smartphone users' physical safety is at risk when others get access to their personal data. Domestic violence victims and political activists, both domestically and in authoritarian regimes abroad, all depend on data security to protect themselves. The best way to secure phones against these dangers is to encrypt all of the contents, so-called full-disk encryption, using a key held solely by the user. Apple moved to FDE by default in 2014, followed by Google. On iPhones, this key is generated by combining a user-selected passcode with a unique identifier associated with the phone and unknown to Apple. Unless the user unlocks the phone, no one, not hackers, thieves, or abuse vexes, not even Apple or the police, can access its contents. That's putting aside the kind of serious re-engineering the FBI wants in the San Bernardino case, of course. Experts in cryptography and computer science are unanimous that this is the only feasible way to keep data and phones secure. That's because key escrow or otherwise backdoor encryption schemes in which third parties like Apple hold a copy of the key introduce profound vulnerabilities into the system. In other words, if you create a way for someone else to access the data, malicious hackers or others can discover and abuse that and access that some way as well. So Apple's inability to unlock a phone even pursuant to a warrant, is a necessary side effect of FD security. What's wrong with AB 1681 and why states should stay out of encryption? The California bill does not specify how phones data would be encrypted, whether through back doors or simply by turning off the full disk encryption by default. In either case, the bill could not possibly achieve its goals. First and most obvious, it would stop at the California border. Apple could still sell encrypted phones in the rest of the country. California buyers could simply cross into the next state. Second, even if Apple and Google removed FDE, numerous third-party applications provide the same functionality. These applications are also beyond California's reach. In fact, over two-thirds of encryption software projects are created at least partially outside of the U.S., and many are open source, meaning they are not controlled by any single entity. Sophisticated criminals would certainly avail themselves of these options. And finally, if compliance with AB 1681 required only turning off the full default the FDE, evading the police would be as simple as flipping the switch after buying a new phone. The boost to law enforcement would be minimal at rest, at best. The cost, however, of this woefully ineffective law would be unacceptably high. Depriving the rest of us of easy-to-use FDE puts the sensitive information we all carry in our pockets at risk. Further, there's a good reason to think AB 1681 and similar state bills would be unconstitutional. The Supreme Court has explained that states cannot enact laws that burden interstate commerce when the burden imposed on such commerce is clearly excessive in relation to punitive local effects. In light of the bill's lopsided cost-benefit trade-off, it seems unlikely to survive the analysis. Also, to the extent 
developers would be prohibited from offering FDE as part of their code, the law raises First Amendment concerns. Under the Bernstein case, the progeny computer code is protected speech, and a government ban on the speech based on the content is subject to First Amendment scrutiny. Once again, it's hard to see such a law surviving this test. And some, while it's imperative that the law enforcement investigates serious crimes, AB 1681 is hopelessly flawed. If you live in California, you can tell your lawmakers to fuck off. The link I'm going to stick in chat here. (laughs) Repeatedly and often. Yes, always tell them fuck off. But yeah, the... (laughs) This security issue and all the all the laws they're talking about bringing in in the USA and in the UK partially. And in the UK, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think I mentioned it on one of the links you put in a story during the week. It's it's, it's kind of like they want to force Apple and Google to go, fuck you, America, and move all their stuff abroad. I don't. Which understand. they can quite easily do. And I don't understand what the hell they're thinking. Yeah, because yeah, if Apple go. Well, shit, we've we've made good inroads into the Chinese and Asian market. Bye, America. Well, what are they going to do then? <laughs> well, you could just text, go fuck yourself, California lawmakers, to yourself on your phone. I'm sure the NSA would see it eventually. Yeah, because in- increasingly all these tech companies, their big market isn't the USA anymore. They seem to be forgetting this when they try and bring in these laws. Yeah. Uh, I own the fact that I'm a tech tart. Mostly. Okay. Um, not as bad as my sister. I call her clay tablet and a stick. <laughs> and she tells people that I call her clay tablet and a stick. Um, I had to. I had to text her the instructions for copy and paste. <laughs> I did. No, she was here, and I showed her several times. I finally picked my phone up, and and I went and I typed her out a text on how to copy and paste shit and texted it to her so that she could look at the text on her phone to do the copy and paste on her computer. I hope you kept a copy on your phone because then when she accidentally deletes the text telling her how to do something. Yeah, I did. Um, But but I am am a tech tard for generally speaking. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not as savvy as a lot of these people that I know. But I've said for a long time, I don't have to be smart. I just have to know that I'm not smart and know that I have smart friends. Um, And it works. It works for me. Um, But here is the thing that I know, and and I know this to be a fact. A backdoor is a backdoor when it comes to technology. The, the, The federal government can't keep the internet secure and they've been trying to do that for how long since it was invented okay now just just so we're clear on this they've had decades to secure the internet and they haven't been able to do that and supposedly all of these back doors into computer systems were there for the government and yet everybody else is using them if these motherfuckers can't keep the internet secure and they've had decades to do it, how do the general population think that the federal government is going to keep a backdoor into your cell phone 
which is a little mini handheld computer for you folks nowadays, secure. It's not going to fucking happen. And everybody's like, well, we need this to protect us from terrorism. What the fuck? And they're using the whack jobs in California as an excuse. You know, look at this. We've got these terrorists. No, they were two fucking whack jobs. Is what they were, people. Own it. Um, and, you know, well, if they'd have had this in... Wait a minute. Having, having this access wouldn't have made a fucking bit of difference in what those two whack jobs did in the state of California. Because prior to this... These people weren't on a no-fly list. They weren't on a terror watch list. They weren't. They weren't even on a fucking community watch list. People. None no, of this... no. Their job was to put people on community watch lists. Yeah. They worked for social services. Would have made a damn difference. So again, it is the media and the government using the word terrorist, um, or domestic terrorism, or international terrorism. To lead people to support what they want supported. Or violent anarchists. That's my favorite phrase so far. When the simple fact remains, the federal government can't keep a fucking thing secure. Well, shit. Here's the problem. And it's not just that. You realize we've talked about this before. The entire banking sector is run on Windows 98. And pre and no, no no it's worse than that. I won't go into it. But mo- most of the, the base software that most banks use was originally written back in the seventies. Oh Jesus Christ. Well It's all based on Unix systems. Not even Linux? Unix? Well Linux is just a cheap copy well, it's of it's different Unix. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, uh, the backbone of most banks is Unix systems. I know, because I know people who work with the computer systems in banks. And yeah, they bitch all the time about all the different systems not being able to communicate very well. Yeah. One person who got laid off by a bank <coughs> a couple of years ago mm-hmm. got a job offer to come back doing the same job at the same bank because they outsourced her job. So sacked her. But... Right. The people they outsourced to aren't as good at dealing with Unix as she was uh, the water back. <laughs> we talk about how stupid these politicians are all the time, but have they, we... They suffer from that? magical thinking. Go ahead. But maybe they're not as stupid as we think they are either, Jan, because they bullshit the majority of the population into believing their shit. So, I mean, we they, think yeah, they're but... stupid, but maybe they're not so much. Breaking encryption is like believing that Hogwarts is real. Okay? Oh, man, I have my tickets booked on the express. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have your owl ready? Um, But it's just not real. All all these fucking lawmakers suffer from magical thinking. You've got to get the idea that they don't understand fuck all about the technology. I don't understand a whole fucking lot about the technology, but even I understand what they're asking for is impossible. Well, it's not impossible as such. It's just... Yeah, it's never going to (laughs) happen. It is technically feasible. It's just not going to happen. They think it's going to happen. They think it's going to happen, but... Yeah. 
the corporations who rely on this shit for their living are not just going to let them do it. And they're not going to go along with it, no matter what the lawmakers say. As I say, companies like Google and Apple are so huge. If the government forced the issue, it's like, fine, we're leaving. Bye. Well, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, they're still going along. Well, Google and Apple are still going along with some of the shit the Chinese government wants, though. Yeah, that's because, as I say, they're they've been uh, wanting into the Chinese market because it's the largest market in the world by a long, long way. Yeah. No. The largest computer manufacturer in the world is Chinese, and even <laughs> I don't know its name. You see reports occasionally. Oh, this many computers sold in. China, yeah. and you look at the name of the company and you go, eh, wonder who they are. But they sold more computers than Dell, Apple, everybody else combined. <laughs> yeah. No, they have. Um, so I stuck a link in chat. Um, Genie, you want to take a look at that? Tell me what you think. Is that, is that a good pet? Mm. What chat? Um, the the chat, chat. What the fuck? Okay. I wanted to be sure. Yeah, no, not for me. I <laughs> put a twenty-two to its skull and pulled the trigger. Twenty-two is not big enough. Yeah, it is. Well, only if you hit just the right spot. You want to just wound it? That might upset it. No. <laughs> if you. No. Right on its skull and go through the brain. Yeah, they use 22, 22s to dispatch them all the time, Very. Yeah. Actually. But I, yeah. I wouldn't trust oh, that myself, no. but yeah. No, no, <laughs> thank you on the fully trained alligator. I I will pass on the opportunity to have a trained alligator as a pet. Still not as good as that New York apartment where the, the police were, were very... Um, gingerly trying to get the tiger and the alligator out, out of the guy's apartment. No. That's hilarious yes. <laughs> YouTube footage. Uh, do you listen? Do you ever listen to um, to Vape TV late night at all, Very well, At I guess, times, yeah. yeah well, BSP has this, this segment on um, about 2 o'clock in the morning he calls meth, and it's not really about doing <laughs> drug meth. It's about these stories in the news that um, you think these people are on meth. <laughs> yeah. And he was talking the other day about uh, the, the, the Florida man. No, tigers in the loose in, in places, you know. Yeah. And they believe that this tiger was someone's pet. Yeah. All right, look, folks, my dog may be over 130 pounds now. I, I have a giant doofus for a dog and 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 he's a rather spoiled giant doofus okay last night he was he was sitting on the floor between the coffee table and the couch and and i was sitting on the couch and all you could hear was and and if you didn't know the giant doofus it kind of sounds like he's growling but he's not he's he's whining and yeah he's big enough that his whine sounds aggressive no it's not giant baby do you know what said giant doofus wanted there was a pillow that he knows he's not allowed to lay on on the couch beside me which meant there were not two full cushions available for him to have to curl up on 
and he wanted this pillow moved. So yeah, that's a giant doofus. But even though I own said giant doofus, this does not mean that I want a 350-pound cat <laughs> as a pet. Well, there's, there's, there's a wonderful thing in the UK. We have a fair few big cats wandering wild. Oh, because, yeah, you do. Because stately homes, rich people, Victorian era onwards, well, even before that, it was a status symbol. You had your own little private zoos. But then in the 60s and 70s, laws got brought in saying, no, no, you can't do that. So instead of giving the animals to actual zoos or putting them down, they set, they, them, free. They set them free. <laughs> um, I used to go hunting you know, pest control on rabbits with a, a friend. And I just used an air weapon because it's easy and... You can kill a rabbit at 50, 60 yards, no problem. Mm -hmm. um, but he had a tutu. And then one night we're out hunting, and I looked over, and I could see his, he had different bullets in his magazine. I was like, um, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, these are high-velocity rounds. Like, What's that for? Said, oh, there's been reports of one of them big black cats in the area. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. You think a high velocity two two is gonna do you any damn good at all? <laughs> if it wants to kill you, you're dead. <laughs> it's like you've got your better protection is your knife, because <laughs> then you can stab it when it's on top of you. Um, <laughs> I think elephants are awesome, awesome creatures. They can um, sneak up on you too. Well, I do, but I I think elephants are a very Majestic, and I don't mean just because of the the size of them. I think elephants are a very majestic animal, and um, and they really do remember things. Oh yeah, and they're hilarious when they're drunk. <laughs> well, my daughter shared on my on my Facebook page the other day this this baby elephant that wanted to be a a, a lap elephant. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm serious, Jan. It's the funniest fucking thing ever. You should go on my Facebook page and watch it if you haven't. It will make you smile. So you got these little baby elephants that are just climbing right on top of these people to get loved and cuddled, right? Right. And, and loved and cuddled in the in the, in the nice way, not in the the weird pervy way or anything, folks. Don't go. <laughs> um, but and I keep thinking as I'm watching this thing, and it's so cute, and it's one of them, aww things but in the back of my mind i'm thinking a fucker tries this shit in two years <laughs> can you imagine the news stories then no <laughs> what couch broken by an elephant y you know couch, well, house. visitors crushed when elephant collapses on them um, elephant demands love yeah I'm crushes thinking, person <laughs> and i'm like and here I am, this this person that just adores elephants and thinks that elephants are the coolest thing in the world. Um, their their skin freaks me out. It's it's very surreal thinking that there's a living thing inside of that. Um, but and and I'm going oh, and I'm thinking, holy shit! A couple of years, this is going to be a horrific news story. Well, yeah, the one I'm waiting for is again big cats. It's those 
crazy... I think it's in California, actually. The people who've deliberately bred the ligers. Yeah. Big cats that don't stop growing. Yeah, well no, done there. Are. Yeah, that, that couldn't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. Oh, my God, yeah. They're um, enormous. <laughs> there's there's a big cat sanctuary down here, and every once in a while, you know, Dan and I will go when we're on vacation. Why in the hell? What is wrong with you people? I got to tell you, again, back to BSP's map, Jan. Do you realize that most of these stories come out of Cal come out of Florida? I know. Anyway, yeah. so there's a big cat sanctuary down here, and we go we're on vacation. Yes, I know. So we go and we're on vacation, and um, we have a good time. But you know, we're not stupid people, and we tend to stay well back from the animals. And and they have feeding time, where you know. For a few bucks, you can take a, a chunk of meat on a stick and, and put it through the cage while the handler's standing there. And the f most frightening thing in the world to me is, like, the lady walking through with her kids. And they're little. They're, like, maybe a Bite two size. and three. Yeah, in the liger. When the liger saw the kids, uh, he went batshit. Yeah, half-ton giant it's, killing cat sees small chewy thing. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's looking at that and it's going lunch, and and he's like he sees the kids and he's hustling them through and out and they're like, and uh, now it's time to go watch the parrot show and and now all of the tigers and all of the lions are going out of their minds because food just walked by the cages, mm -hmm. and you can just tell if you have cats you know what they're like. Well, one, I mean, of, one of the funniest stories I've heard was, um, I mean, you get it over there as well. They have, they had some, a comedian doing uh, a show about a wildlife park over here. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> the lion enclosure. So, he had the do's and don'ts of being in the lion enclosure. Yeah. Right? Um, but he happened to ask, because, well, it would be on your mind. So, uh... Have they eaten? And the keeper was like, uh, they're on a fast day today. The guy's like, what? He says, well, we only feed them every three days. Mm -hmm. When was the last time they were fed? He said, two days ago. <laughs> and the guy was going, I really didn't want to go in that enclosure. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, like cats, you've got to really regulate the amount of eating these big cats do otherwise you end up with big fat overweight cats with health problems yep. so mm -hmm. yeah they're gonna put a, if he hadn't asked they wouldn't have told him yep. yeah by the way the lions will be hungry <laughs> so really really be careful when we tell you you know yeah that's the same wildlife park incidentally where they have a the alpha lion uh has learned to pretend to be drugged. <laughs> Luckily, they noticed this behaviour. They shoot it when they had to take it to the vet for its annual checkup. Use tranquilizer darts because they're not stupid. Um, but this cat had learned how to behave like he'd been drugged, even if he hadn't been given enough drugs to be drugged. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, luckily, one of the keepers spotted this. <laughs> right, put another round in him. 
Because, yeah, cats are not dumb. <laughs> no, cats, cats in general are not dumb. And cats are crafty and they're sneaky. And you want to know have a giant doofus dog? Because if you die in your house, your dog will protect your dead corpse. Your you, dog will eventually eat you. Right. Leave you alone long enough, your dog will eventually eat you too. I don't I don't want to hear any of that bullshit about your dog won't eat you. Two, three, four days, your dog will eat you. You're dead. Your dog will eat you when you're dead, yeah. No, your cat will wait till you're dead too. Well, it'll wait till you're dead, but it won't wait nearly as long to start chowing down. <laughs> Cats are impatient. You know... You, once you're gone, though, you're just a shell. What does it matter if something eats you? I mean, why? Why does it matter? Every cat we've ever owned, other than Katie, has always ended up just like this arrogant thing that acted like we were blessed to be able to reside in the same house as it. Yeah, those cats. <laughs> cats were worshipped in ancient Egypt. They've just never forgotten it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's the thing about cats. But yeah, no, cat will eat you, a dog will eat you, a bird will eat you. I mean, it just depends on how long they've been left without a food source. Anacondas and pythons, they'll eat the hell out of you. <laughs> they'll eat you while you're still fucking alive. That's, I don't understand why people have those as pets. I woke up and the anaconda was squeezing me and trying to eat me. Really? Did that seem like a good house pet? Because you thought the 18-foot snake wouldn't eat you? <laughs> Shit, them things even try to eat alligators. You know, Jan, I have oh, to Oh, that's tell you, some fucked up shit to say. Yeah. I got to tell you, Jan, that the, you know, when we started talking about selling everything and moving south. Right. My husband said, well, you know, there's probably some places around Lake Wales, which is where my parents live six months out of the year. And my, my sister Gina's now there. And I looked at him and I went, eh, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, why not? And I'm like, big large, wild snake. Yeah, you know, it's Florida. It's you, You've got to like indoor living. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, but you know, well, that's the thing is I want to enjoy outdoor living. And everybody's like, well, they have snakes in Tennessee. I get that. They, they have copperheads and they have water moccasins in certain areas and they have rattlesnakes and, and, and such, but you know, um, those are not 15-foot snakes. Oh, I killed a water moccasin the other day outside of work. Yeah. Hey, come uh, to Scotland. Worst we've got is adders. And unless 30 of them bite you, you're probably going to be okay. Well, yeah, but water moccasins are just fucking mean. Yeah, yeah they are. A water moccasin... See, here's the thing. Uh, rattlesnakes, if you give a rattlesnake an out... It'll take it. Mm -hmm. Rattlesnakes have rattles to alert you that they are there and you need to leave it the F alone. Mm -hmm. A water moccasin, on the other hand, will detour and go 50 yards out of its way. To find you and fuck with you. Yeah. Because you're there and it says you shouldn't be there. And they sneak up on you. Um, that's the difference between a water moccasin and a rattlesnake. I don't think the water moccasin liked it when I ran over it with the thousand pound pallet on the pallet jack. It shouldn't have fucked with me. <laughs> oh, just to cheer you up, uh, so idiots have in, uh, accidentally introduced black mambas to North America as well. Oh, thank you. 
yeah, don't worry if it bites you, you are dead. Um, <laughs> and, unless you can get to the anti-venom in 30 seconds or so. Uh. Yeah, I'm sure I'll carry that around in my emergency. Well, the best yeah. thing about Black First Mambas, day, though, yeah. here, here's, a, here, here's a good one for Black Mambas. They're always in, they're one of the only snakes. They always go about in pairs. They make for life. <laughs> oh, Jesus, very like that's going to make me feel any better. <laughs> Oh, it's romantic. So, so you see one and you kill it, and you're like, "Yeah, I got the snake." And then it's partner. I gotta get the other one. Up. Yeah. <laughs> just kill my wife. Yeah. Oh, they're like otters. Otters are. Everybody thinks so. Oh, they're so cute. They're vicious little fuckers too. You'd be really surprised oh, at no, all the these weird, animals the, you think are so the cute. The weirdest. They do some horrible. The shit weirdest animal: duck-billed platypus. It's got poisonous stings. Yeah, but they didn't know that until like five years ago. Remember, they thought it was just this harmless fucking thing. No, no, then, no, no, no. Local people had been telling them for quite some time, you really shouldn't handle those, they're dangerous. Um, and, yeah, well, and people were like, nah, look at it, it can't be that dangerous. Look at that. Then, then, then some tourists got stung. Um, you know, and by the way, anybody that's listening to this on the replay, <laughs> send Alex at Kassab. <laughs> Org, a wonderful little thank you note because this complete show derail I am just going to blame on the fact that there was no Kazaki. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Actually, looking at this show, we, we needed to lighten it up a little bit because, um, damn. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to, yeah, it's not going to be a good summer for news. No, no. Maybe, maybe I can like just follow Florida Man on Twitter and do throw a couple of Florida Man stories in every show just so we can laugh. Um, that might help because this is it's it's bad. It's bad, you guys. It's well, not good. you can always go to the Darwin Awards website. It's always got loads of solid gold material. Uh, I've got a fr I've got a friend who he puts all those stupid things on like. You think your engine's getting dirty? Add a gallon of water and two yeah. teaspoons of dish soap to your gas before the winter to clean out the lines. I'm like, you're just helping the Darwin Award winners get their wings, aren't you? He's like, you bet I am. He shares all those ones, and they're always horrible. That The gas one, that's a cute one. But some of them are things that could like really hurt you. Oh yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you're short on time. Just, just, you know, take your TV in the tub. I'm like, you know, people are not smart. He's like, oh, I know, and I know that we've stopped allowing the herd to thin itself. So I'm helping. I kind of agree with him. I kind of think we should just remove warning labels, and we'd have a better world. I do. I, I mean. We've made it so no idiot can hurt themselves. It's almost like, do you remember that movie with uh, Steve Martin and, oh God, who's the other guy? Where they were like grifters, they were crooks, yeah, and they were stealing stuff from everybody. And Steve Martin played the retarded idiot-like child at dinner, and he was sitting there, and he had an eye patch on. Yeah. And they gave him a fork with a cork on it. Yeah. That's kind of the world we're kind of ending up with. All the forks will now have corks because we have idiots who want to poke themselves in the eye. And it's not really fair to the rest of us. 
Yeah, besides, if you really want to harm somebody, yeah, everything's a weapon. Mm. Oh, yeah. If you've got the right brain for it, anything's a weapon. <sighs> Benefits of a military family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's a good one. Colorado House passes bill to end rain barrel ban. I think Jeannie will like this one. It's about fucking time it never should have passed. Agreed. Colorado is one step closer to dropping its rain barrel ban. The Colorado House passed bill, House Bill 1005 by a 61 to 3 vote March 1st. If the bill becomes a law, residents who live in houses or small condo complexes will be allowed to put two 55-gallon barrels on their properties to collect rainwater. They would be allowed to use it only for outdoor uses such as gardening. Colorado is the only state in the union with this ban. The logic behind it, it takes water out of the river system and harms users down the line who have already paid for the water. And they don't pay for the fucking water. They're paying for the, the piping treatment. and everything to get it to them. So stop it. Okay, They're paying ahead. for the treatment of it. And if it's getting as good a treatment as it's getting in Flint, Michigan, well, then that's money well spent. Uh, when a similar bill came to the legislature later last year, it passed the House and died in the Senate. This year, however, Democrats in the House allowed two GOP-sponsored amendments meant to ease concerns over rain barrels in their place within Colorado water law. One amendment makes it clear having a rain barrel is not a water right, and the other says the state engineer can step in if water is siphoned off from people with water rights. We've come a long way, said State Representative Paul J. Brown, a Republican from Ignacito, said of the compromise. I butchered that, I'm sorry. Property rights are important. The Fifth Amendment of the Constitution established property rights, and water rights are a property right. The two amendments reflect the concerns expressed by Senator Jerry Sunberg, a Republican from Sterling, whose district includes large parts of Weld County. Sunberg said last week the two points recognition of prior appropriation and state stewardship practice had to be addressed before he could support the rain barrel ban. Uh, Sonnenberg bottled up a similar bill in the Senate last year. The Colorado House passed it by, yeah, so that's pretty good. It's very if, good. If they actually do, they will actually get rid of a horrible law. Well, and the it's idiotic, good. stupid law. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Yeah, the thing they need to eliminate in this country is um, taxing people on having solar energy or fining people for having solar energy. It's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever well, heard of my but, entire but, but, I mean, you've noticed it, right? Yeah. Don't smoke. Let's slap a tax on it. Let's slap another tax on it. Let's slap another tax on it. We're losing money. Why isn't anybody smoking? You know what I mean? Sort of, we're going to give you Let's money. We're going to give you money. We're going to give you money. Why is everybody using solar? Let's slap a tax on it. You know, it's stupid thinking. Let's find them for not being tied to the grid. Yeah, it's... it's being able to rely on yourself is basically a finable offense, is what they're saying. It is here. I don't... can't go completely off the grid here. I have to be hooked into the lines. And I can't get my water from rain or any other source. I have to be hooked into city water. And if I you don't have children, a choice. Come and take your children away from you. I don't have children, so come take my old people away. Tell me how much you like them. <laughs> I, I don't I just don't understand I don't understand a lot of stuff but it's nice to see that there's some bills that are, are moving 
the other way. Now, if I read the Red Lee Belko story, the one about the NSA data, are you going to make the comment that you wanted to make earlier? No, I made the comment that I wanted to make earlier when you just, um, with the last story about there, a backdoor is a backdoor, people. Yeah. All right, then I won't do that one. Um, how about... The, the secrets of surveillance capitalism, I, you know, this... Did I this break your break your brain <laughs> no you didn't break my brain but they they threw around some things in there that that are apt to make people that wouldn't necessarily read the article go back and read it because when you start throwing in things like how it relates to hiv mm-hmm. people uh-huh, what yeah I mean, and I think a lot of people don't think, um, and for anybody who's actually curious, because I'm not going to read that, and if I start reading it, what I'm going to do, maybe what I'll do is is start reading it, get to a certain point, cut it off, and read from it again next week. It'll be like our ongoing saga, (laughs) because it's so long. It is a saga, yes. Here's the thing, and... And you don't, yeah, it's a saga, and you don't need to go into it if you don't want to, Janice. Not a big deal. But here, there, there are some things in there that some of the bullet points that I was going over the bullet points, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Here's <laughs> one of the bullet points, people. Internet access is a fundamental human right. Are you kidding me? I never said that. But this was, don't forget, please don't forget, this came from a German newspaper. Yeah. Okay, Germany has very different thoughts on a lot of different things. I mean, they're also much better on privacy than we are, allegedly. Um, I, I was just like, oh, okay, it's a fundamental human right. We'll go to the public library because all public libraries now have computers that have Internet access. There's your freaking human right. I, some of it made a lot of sense to me, and some of it I was just like... Uh-huh. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of it's steeped in economic theory, too. Um, a lot of it also talks about, you know, controlling the means of production. And it, it's it's a very interesting read. And it's parts of it I absolutely agree with where it talks about people are starting up these companies and they're going, I'm not making any money. Fuck. But they found a way to data mine. And all of a sudden, they're making money hand over fist, and it's a beautiful thing. Well, no, it's not really a beautiful thing. You're taking people's personal private information, basically their digital Fourth Amendment right protected papers and books, and you're turning that into something to be bought and sold. So you're taking people's privacy and selling it. It's kind of a form of slavery, which was the interesting part of it, I thought. You know, yeah, it's just I mean, different thoughts on it. It is. It is. It's, it's all down to yeah. Pe- people have gone with the capital system, capitalist system. Uh, this is the result. Uh, eventually, they'll figure out data mining your thoughts, and that'll well, become mean, a commodity. Exactly. They're partially there already. Mm. Well, they're they're getting there. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a scary world, really. I love technology. It really has made my life so much better. But it also scares me. The amount of things that AI knows about me that I don't know about me. Yes. That kind of stuff scares me to death. 
look at what that com the computer program, the the chess game that was considered unfucking winnable, it won. No human being has ever won it. But a Google AI system won this fucking thing. And the biggie mm. from the last week was the uh, Go computer playing Go against yeah. a Go master. He won. The human won one game out of five. <laughs> yeah. They're teaching it to think like us. They're teaching it to think like us, and they're teaching it to think better than us. Yeah. This is what's going to be left when we're all extinct. I don't have a problem giving birth to technology. I have a problem with the idea that past Homo sapiens is what Homo AI? Yeah. And then there's nothing? Except the machines? I, I don't know. I just have a problem with it. It makes me a lot of, I know. I don't care. I want to see us get post-scarcity. Um, I just don't want to live through it. And I think once we get post-scarcity, things are going to be really interesting. Just getting to that point is going to be ugly, and there's going to be a lot of unemployed people, and there's going to be a lot of hate and ugliness. And we already see the hate and ugliness. You see Trump. You see the rise in white supremacy groups all over the place, all over the planet. Um, it's a scary time right now. And I don't know how to talk about it to make it better, but I, I know that it's happening and we all see it, right? Nobody's blind. You do see it, don't you? Yeah. We're going to raise minimum wage. Uh, well, we've installed these touchscreen kiosks and we've eliminated all the cashier jobs. Oh. <laughs> Yay, the $15 an hour minimum wage. Right. So it, it really is a screwed up system. And a lot of it, I don't know how you fix. Yeah, I Except don't. You fix the money. I think you really fix the money, you fix the problem. But go ahead. Well, part of it. I guess I need to chat with some people that are more up on economics than I am because a lot of the, the shit that I see anymore, I look at and go, how, how can they even say that this is a good thing and evidently I don't understand economics enough to figure it the hell out because I look at this shit and go that's just stupid well and a lot of it is um, one of the funniest things I ever saw I don't know do you know who Jonathan Pye is Jeannie? <laughs> okay I'm going to stick a link when I can get to it I'm going well, it's, it's like like bailouts, okay? Um, right. How exactly did the automotive industry bail out? Get bailed how, out? How did it work though? How, how can we look back on this and say that it was that it was a good move? Because it sure as hell didn't help Detroit. It wasn't right. It, it wasn't. It, it's the same shitty government policies that led us to this spot we're in the first place so Taking, we did banks are is you know it's, you, now are we gonna call, look down and go yeah that was a good move call it sheriff of nottingham economics okay instead of 
keeping the money in the hands of the people who make it. You're taking and stealing it and giving it to people who shouldn't have it. And that's what we're living in the midst of. Sheriff of Nottingham Economics. Yeah, we've got some of that upcoming on Wednesday in the UK. Yeah. Budget time. Yeah. I am not one of those people that I think you should take all the money from the rich and spread it out among the poor. Um, I don't, but I think you have the right to keep what you earn. Yeah. I don't I don't look at it that way either because, you know, in in a society where you you take from the rich just to give to the not the poor, but the poor that choose to be poor. And and no, I'm gonna force a lot of people off with that comment. Um <laughs> There are people going to come at me and say, well, these poor people don't want to be poor. Some of them, you're right. Some of them don't. And they, and they just need the opportunity to improve their own life. Um, but, yeah, but the opportunities are disappearing. Yeah. Well, as, gov- as businesses are hiring less, it's leaving the only option, a government job. That's fuck that's wants not- to work for the evil empire, I don't want to build the Death Star, do you? No. But that's not what I'm alluding to in this. Jan, you and I both know that there are people in the world that that are very happy and content to sit at home and have things handed to them. You know, like Internet is is a basic human right. Um, You know what? I have the Internet in my house that I pay for. Mm -hmm. Um, I pay for it too, but I mean, you know... I don't think they're saying what kind of internet. It could be the kind of dial-up shit you've got to get on a bicycle and ride for a half hour to power up. Yeah, I want I want a happy middle ground, you know. I don't want them, and as much as I dislike Donald Trump, and I don't dislike Donald Trump for his politics, people, I dislike Donald Trump when he filed bankruptcy on his casinos. It pissed me off. I'm still not over it. Was it within the law? Yes, it was, but it was still fucked up and stupid. Uh, makes no sense to me. Um, but... So, you know, you take all of his money and you give all of his money to people that, that didn't work their ass off to get it. That, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I do it also doesn't work. Uh, I, I have seen small scale, right? Um, when I worked as a street cleaner, the area I worked in was all mostly drug addicts, shall we say, and undesirables. A lot of shavs? Yeah, chavs, yeah. Um, They wanted to dump... The buildings they all lived in were falling to pieces. So they wanted to regenerate the area, build new housing. To get them to move so there wouldn't be lots of trouble, they gave these people money. Here's money for the inconvenience for you moving. And I'll tell you, it. I have never seen so many empty beer cans and bottles in my life. Because that's what they did with the money. You know, here's they drank the thing. it. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. And shot up and all the rest. Of course but, they did, yeah. because that's what some people do. Don't get me wrong, that's what some people do. There are also people who are sick. There are also people who are old. There are also people who are dying. There are people with mental deficiencies and stuff. And I just want to, like, talk about something. Everybody says what a great President Ronald Reagan was. That is a fucking lie. I can remember when he shut down the mental hospitals to save money. Do you know what the motherfucker had the nerve to say? The government is not a charity. 
If you have mental health issues, take care of it yourself. Get a job and take care of it yourself. They were putting people out of the mental hospitals who couldn't dress themselves. They sat in a corner and drooled and took Thorazine. They shipped them out on buses. They sent them out on trains into the middle of fucking God knows where. And to this day, some of them are probably still homeless. They talk about how much money he saved. He did. But he also wound up making the prisons a system for dealing with mental health, which is never what they were meant to be. So if we're having a system where everybody's a part of it and you've got to pay taxes, then let's stop buying planes that kill our Air Force pilots, use what works that's sitting in fucking mothballs, that's reliable and useful and usable, and take that fucking tax money that we're spending on all these war machines that we don't really need because they're not really good. Like, let's even say the surveillance state with its balloons and stuff. Let's stop spending the money on that and put it into infrastructure and taking care of our mentally ill people and our sick people. I think everybody could agree that's not a bad use of the money. Enabling people who should be working to be on assistance is a bad thing. But not taking care of these people and saying charities will do it, that's not working. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. We put these people out and things have gotten worse. Aunt John, I, I, I can't resist, but I've got another aside for you, but it's not a big interruption. You're on about this reverence for Reagan. Uh, similarities with Trump are quite impressive because if you look up a UK TV program spitting image and specifically search for the president's brain is missing <laughs> you'll find lots of interesting stuff uh, relating to Mr. Reagan <laughs> yeah, it, it, was just, it was one of the, it was one of the better known satire shows in the UK okay. it's puppets <laughs> as well Okay. Animatronics. It's um yeah. But all all the, the good British impersonators and a lot of the satirists and uh, writers that are still around and working now started on that show. <laughs> so yeah. And I think the other thing I wanna say, like when Nancy Reagan died I really held myself back because I, I felt bad the bitch was dead. But um I don't now. If it weren't for her saying things like, I don't understand why gay people are having parades in California, what if they got to be proud of? And them making being gay a horrible thing, then millions of people probably would have gotten better treatment and gotten taken care of and not have died such horrible deaths. So I really, between the war on drugs and that, I really fucking hate her too. Politics is full of disgraceful people and the wives are no better. Maybe that's the thing I've learned. <laughs> do, you, do you know, uh, my, and this is a very light aside to get out of this deep hole, but <laughs> my, my oldest son was born in the country of Panama hmm. and, and was considered um, pretty much a dual citizen, not in your traditional sense. Um, 
my husband and his wife, my husband was based uh, in the United States Air Force and was in the country of Panama. Well, the Air Force base in the country of Panama did not have a hospital on it, which no big deal. That just meant they used the Panamanian hospital, right? Well, it was right up until Reagan cut the money off. So, yes, my, my oldest son was born in 1989 after the money was cut off. So, during the Panama invasion, in a Panamanian hospital, they had to have an armed military escort to get to the hospital. Now, and, and it all sounds pretty horrific, and, and it kind of was to an extent, I guess, for them. You know, they had to have an armed military escort to the hospital for Paul Lynn to be born. But, you know, on the other hand, it gave my husband a view of the world that it showed him how wound up the United States is. Because people in the United States military, um, our, our defenders in the military, and this, this is a good thing, but the people that we have in our military are defenders of this country 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's the mentality of these people that are in the military. I mean, Jan, you're from a military family. You know this. Yes. You know, it's, it's all USA pride and proud and, and defend 24-7. Mm-hmm. There was a beach. The, the, the Air Force Base sat between the town and the beach. And the Panamanian soldiers, this was their job. <coughs> and it was their job Monday through Friday. So these guys might be waiting Monday through Friday for you to step foot outside of the gate so that they could put a bullet in you. But come Saturday and Sunday, the United States military had to open up the gates on the base to let the Panamanian citizens go to the beach. <laughs> And Paul was like, it was the most fucked up thing. He said, you know, we're, we're basically at, at war with these people. And Saturday and Sunday, I'm on the beach drinking beer with them. Mom, he said it was just really fucked up. <laughs> but it was the Panamanians viewed their military service as their job. When I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, no, it, it's a cultural identity. Well, but don't you think here. if... No, I mean, no, I mean here. Yeah, don't you think people. if Reagan was going to cut off the money, he knew he was going to do it. Why Why didn't he evacuate the families or the military out before uh, he decided to do this? Okay, you, well... You expect a politician to think something through in advance? I, I don't... Not only don't I expect our politicians to think... I also don't expect people in charge of overseas security to think. You know. People like Secretary of State Hillary, I don't expect those people to have a fucking thought in their heads. And I I think a lot of the fun with Reagan was that at the time he was getting quite senile. When he, he said and did a lot of his things. And I also like to point out that he laid the groundwork for the surveillance state we live in today. EO twelve triple three. That comes from him. 
and it's well, how all the surveillance systems Quite a run. bit of Reagan stuff actually came from Bush Sr. as well. Well, Because that was true. his... That was his uh, backup, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah, no. Like I said, though, he, he really was kind of going a little... You could tell. Just tell. He was not well. well. I mean, yeah. Reagan, Reaganisms man, are just wonderful things to, to read. Yeah. Right, but I'm just saying, I don't think an 81-year-old man should probably be president. No. Like, I don't care who he is. There, sh there should be tests, yeah. For, yeah. For competence, brain function, I think, in many <laughs> cases. Um, brain function, the ability to read, and common sense. Yeah. Psychological testing definitely important. When you're going to give give someone the nuclear trigger. Um, I still say, I like my idea of everybody gets drafted for a two-year stint. And the lottery just picks what office you serve in. Switzerland does that with military, though, don't they, Barry? Yeah. Um, yeah, they have national service. It's a kind of complicated system. Norway does it as well. Uh, well, I mean, it's... I can't remember. There's a few European countries that still have national service. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to. And, and funnily enough, yeah, yeah, violent crime's kind of rare in Switzerland. What with, at any time, 20% of the population having assault weapons in their house because they're doing their national service. Yeah. So you don't know. And, and, you unless don't know you know the neighbourhood, you don't know which ones are the ones that are armed with the heavy weapons at the moment. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because a lot of them, yeah, the weapons are in their house while they're doing the service because they don't have giant bases to keep everyone on. <laughs> it's a really weird country. Uh, no, I don't I've, think I've been it's through weird. it a few times. It's kind of strange. Think it's weird. I, I don't think it's weird. I mean, I, I think it's a good way to save on money, and you know, it's it's basically what the militia system was supposed to be here. Yeah, we were supposed to have a militia which was supposed to be made of men and women in the state they lived in, and that would take the place of your standing army. That never fucking happened, and now we have a standing army. So we have oh, to house them, etc. You're on about right. Strange, strange, strangenesses of rules. <laughs> Good one is from Switzerland, right? And this was brought up on Top Gear, who I'm sure lots of people are familiar with. <laughs> it's quite a while ago now, though. It's illegal to rev your sports car engine in Switzerland because of noise, <laughs> but you can fire a fully automatic weapon. That's fine. All right. And you're like, but that makes more noise than the car. Never mind. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's Switzerland. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. D you know, don't forget, we've got ones here, laws here, that it's against the law for you to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket. Yeah. I mean, what, I think what, it's retarded to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket. Make, they but, had to pass yeah. a law. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was the new cool thing with the kids. We're all wandering about with our ice cream in the back pocket. <laughs> some some spilled on the ground Jamie? and somebody slipped and fell, so we've banned it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot of retarded laws, and we need to do what Colorado's doing with their water ban, with their water 
barrel ban and get rid of them. Now, I noticed the UK goes through every so many years and repeals a bunch of stupid, useless laws. Not yeah. a bad idea. There's a good one last week. Um, I don't know if you picked up on it. There was a bill up for discussion to reverse privatisation in the NHS. But it didn't get talked about because it's notorious in the UK Parliament. Friday debates. What happens? The party that doesn't want something talked about puts in a debate in advance of yours that's completely trivial. And then what they do is they get several of their MPs just to talk for hours and hours and hours about the inconsequential bill so that Parliament runs out of time and the important bill can't get talked about. <laughs> and that happened to that one on Friday. The Tories have got very good at the filibustering. Um, yeah. They talked. It was the second time the one the Tories brought in to cause the filibustering. It was the second time it had been talked about, and it's it was something idiotic like the pay rate for foreign professionals working in the UK um, huh. versus them talking about. Reversing privatisation in the NHS. Sure. Yeah. They talked for four and a half hours. And there's nothing the Speaker could do about it. <laughs> it's perfect. Yep. There's politics for you folks. And I know the same happens over your way. Oh, yeah. We will talk for hours and hours on end so that the important mm. stuff can't get talked about. Oh yeah, it's like all this shit that's going on in in the presidential debates and stuff. Uh, because I started doing the show with Jan, I am absolutely terrified, <laughs> terrified of looking at Jan's feed anymore. <laughs> I I think with all of this diversion and bullshit that's going on, that's drawn everybody is so polarized against. I'm like, what are these fuckers sneaking through that we don't know? Yeah. Jan will tell me. Oh, I don't want to look. <laughs> No one wants to look. I mean, and I can't blame anybody. The last people looking are actually most of the politicians. Well, because yeah. it all gets done in. If this show is taught us thing, it's that when they have giant diversions, they're they're sneaking some really bad <laughs> shit through on the back end. Um, I'm almost afraid to find out what it is that they needed to sneak through that. You know, we have all of these horrific choices before us. And, well, I mean, look look at what happened with Apple. All of a sudden, they're going to court again March 23rd, right? And the government's still trying their stuff. And then they're sneaking up more. They're sneaking in more stuff. You know, they... The Senate is going to start imposing fines on tech companies who won't unlock the phones. They're, they're, they're announcing the bill next week. They're announcing it. They're just, I don't even know if it's gone for a vote. But that's the next thing. So. Sorry, sorry. I have to, I have to be a, a little political here. But. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this this one and some of them are damn good 
Cartoonists overseas take on Donald Trump. I'll put it in chat because obviously it's pictures. <laughs> um, You're not going to take the time trying to describe them? Lazy? No, I'm kidding. But yeah, it's political cartoonists around the world. And I, pictures I, they've I, done relating to Trump. I think the best thing... Some of I've them are... Well, yeah, look and you'll see. Um, yeah. I think the best thing I've seen um, video-wise is the series called Heads of State, which is just a little video cartoon. They've got Trump nailed. They take all the candidates and launch them into space and let them kind of duke it out in space. It's kind yeah, of I watched it. When you I thought it was good. Oh, I, mean, I think some you... of the photos have been blocked on that link I gave. Oh. His Possibly. legal team's been busy. Right. His legal team's been busy for a long time. Did they show him with baby hands? <laughs> 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 yeah, he's really, really sensitive about people making fun of his baby hands. He doesn't like that. Well, yeah, that, in, in the UK, that, that was the, the end of taking any, anything American politically seriously was the whole hands thing. And I'm then going referring to his manhood. Well, like, yeah. Really? This is a debate? <laughs> really? I've, I've never seen a debate degenerate into penis size so quickly in my life. And I'm yeah. like, is this 10th grade? <laughs> yeah, you know, funnily enough, in the UK, oh God. It... <laughs> well, I've shown you some of the stuff that one of the satirical shows has been doing about yeah. the Republican stuff. Um we haven't done a lot on Hillary because, well, there's nothing f can be made that's funny about her. Um, so they haven't <laughs> even tried, really. Uh, well. The occasional joke about, you know, things that happened in the White House many years ago. Uh, that, that's about all we do with Hillary over here. But And what was the one I saw today? Uh, Trump supporters saying Bernie Sanders wasn't real, didn't believe in God. Something okay. Daft. Does that he's matter? Jewish. <laughs> he's, of course, he's he still goes. You know, he, he goes to this the the synagogue and stuff. He doesn't believe in. Well, God. I was going to say like, it doesn't really? even matter. He's not a Christian. That's not the same thing. But I think some of Trump's supporters have got a bit, you know, confused. Um, unsurprisingly. Yeah, I just I don't. Oh, and one of the best. Jokes in the UK was <laughs> this. This one, I will warn people. This 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 does cause offence to some. Anyway, it's like, well, yeah, Trump's. Of course, Trump wants to be compared to Hitler. He's now even making fun of the Jewish guy, because <laughs> that's what he started doing. Well, I think. He has a go at Hillary, but for some reason he started having a go at Saunders as well. It's like, Saunders isn't really winning at the moment, so, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, people love him. Yeah. I don't... I don't... Honestly... What? Well, I, I mean, they don't think he's a communist weirdo nutcase... Uh, I think you want to talk communist, you really need to look at the Green Party. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, um, I'm familiar with the Green Party. We have them over here too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. You want to see communist, communist, Green Party. Um. You just—he's not. No. He's, he's not even very terribly socialist. He's very. No. He's very pro-business. He's pro-Israel. He's pro a lot of things that I I don't associate with a socialist way of thinking. So I, I don't know what he is. But he's not what they're saying he is. No, no politician is, mind you. No politician is what they say they are either. <laughs> How true is that? <laughs> it's like, uh, we'll make shit up and hopefully everybody will believe it. <laughs> and then years later it all gets found out that it was all bullshit and they're like, oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, well, that is politics. Yeah. It's basically what it comes down to, at least now, at least in America, is what we have is a fucking reality show and the only person who's got experience is Donald Trump. And that's why it looks like he's doing so well. I should mention we're into the last we're inside the last fifteen minutes. Oh okay, yeah. So <laughs> So basically, SoundCloud and everything else will kick us off. Yeah, well, Mixler will kick us off. Mixler. Yeah. Mixler's like, you're done. <laughs> See, it's a longer show than usual, even though we it didn't is. have the Kassar update. Yeah. Because well, we've been rambling. This derail is brought to you by Alex, the legislative director of Kassar, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a bad thing, though. You saw what the news looked like. I'm going to need to start fucking cruising the onion for news or some shit. News thump uh, and all the others, yeah. The sad part is, like, when the onion gets it right. You know? Um, the onion got it right last week when it said three-year-olds could defend themselves in court. Because that's what our attorney general said about the children they wanted to deport. And they were saying, no, they have to have legal representation. And he stood up and said, no, they don't. A child as young as three can defend itself in an immigration hearing. GD, how good were you at, at spelling, reading, and understanding when you were three? Not. I didn't know how to do any of those. So, do you think you could have defended yourself adequately in a court of law? No. Yeah, me either. Well, as a three-year-old, and <laughs> as, as three-year-olds are, I can just imagine that by the time the three-year-old stopped fucking talking, <laughs> it would just be going, yeah, okay, go home and play. <laughs> I just think it's ridiculous. But, yeah, the onion wrote a story about that, and... They wrote a story about that before the New York Times even came out with that. So, I mean, that's pretty bad. The Onion's doing stuff that's almost serious journalism, and they're getting it out before mainstream media is. We might have a problem with the journalism in this country. Well, no, no, you know, you don't have a problem with the journalism. It's just the fact that the actual journalism isn't actually being given to the public anymore. There's still journalists out there doing all the traditional journalist stuff. It just doesn't end up in public view. 
you do have to go to a lot of the satirical, satirical sites and the like, and yeah. all the out-of-the-way places to actually read the real journalism these days. Well, I mean, The Intercept is pretty good. You know, they had somebody who was accused of making shit up. I mean, they, they went public with it that day. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to them for that. Um, you know, a lot of the independent journalism is very good. And it has to be because nobody else is connecting the dots. I mean, you can't sit down and watch the nightly news and get that anymore. You can probably get pretty accurate local news, but you're not going to get accurate international news. Yeah, if you, if you watch the international news, you'll learn a lot about Kanye West and Kardashian <laughs> selfies. <laughs> uh, RT America is pretty good. Um, Al Jazeera, despite the name, very good. Yeah, well, sometimes. <laughs> well, no, depends what the reports are. Their print yeah. stuff, their print stuff is is pretty good. I mean, they're yeah. they're dead on on foreign policy. If you're at all interested in that, I am. Money, if you're at all interested in that, and I am. Because um, I won't get the truth about it from any American source. What Just is RT.com, Jan? RT, uh, Russia Today. If you wanted just a different viewpoint on TV, RT.com. They've also picked well, up that, John. The article about Colorado um, doing the retroactive reversal for marijuana yeah. convictions was mm -hmm. on there. That's why I asked. Yeah. I don't know why it's, you know, like news in Russia, but not here. Uh, uh, well, it's not just a Russian. Um, no, it's, it's, it it's has, international news. Yes. Yeah, it has offices and different countries yeah so does Al Jazeera yeah, yeah. Yep. we've hit the 10 minute alert now okay <laughs> uh, I don't know sitting downstairs going this is what she does when I'm supposed to be out of <laughs> <laughs> your husband's yep. down there going don't they shut up <laughs> yeah that's the last two weeks in a row he's been home Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Damn. So you're seeing a lot of him. Well, he had to work today, but he did get to stay in Shingle House at least. He's not out of town, so that makes me happy. Yeah. I don't blame you. It's good that he's home. It's good that you get to see him. I can't wait to sell all this shit and move. It'd be so nice to have a full-time husband again. Aww. Yeah some point we'll have this fucking place paid off and then I can do well one of us can do one of us will be able to quit and do house duties and stuff I hope it's me I'm more ambitious <laughs> well no I mean like I'll, I'll grow a garden I'll, I'll raise chickens I'll do all that kind of stuff you know um, all that stuff I do now because I don't have a job yeah and I want to make our lives better and not be dependent on the system. Somebody somebody said to me the other day that, you know, I do all of this stuff and, and they're just amazed. And I'm like think, sitting here thinking people would just be floored at the amount of things that I don't do. I mean, everybody thinks I do all this stuff and it's not that I do all this stuff. I do, but I have found... The, the easiest 
way to do these things. It's like my gardens are all hydroponic for a reason. It's it's not that, you know, because I have hydroponic specialties, because I don't, folks, believe it or not. <laughs> it's that I can't play in the dirt with my hands. I can't pull weeds with my hands. Right. Uh, so being able to provide for my family in a way that my hands would allow me to do something, I figured it out. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, I grow my rabbit food for our meat rabbits, but guess what? It's hydroponic. It's set up on a timer. The timer comes on three times a day and waters this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't do a lot of things. It's just, I have found a way to do some things with the least amount of <sighs> physical contact as possible. Right. Well, you know, you found a way to make it work. That's like, today I made two pies. I dinner I washed all the clothes in the house all the uniforms were done uh and my house is huge so I would vacuum a room in between baking stuff between the timing when it was going to go off and when the dryer was going to go off um being really efficient helps me get a lot done on my days off and I like that um and I think I could do more if I had more time and I really want more time uh, yeah you all make me feel bad. I, I read some stuff and I played World of Warships. That's about it. People I have a should, simple life. People should work to live. Yeah. Not yeah. reverse. I agree. And uh, I, I don't trust the media on politicians. I don't trust the media about anything at all. Somebody asked why curious why the media is trusted on politicians i don't know it shouldn't be the only thing it talks about is you know naked kim kardashian selfies and who really gives a fuck about that you want to see something there you haven't seen before she'd have to swallow a fucking camera yeah i don't know um well i mean it's getting kind of late so muppets advert (laughs) Nobody can accuse me of running for the X-Files tonight. It's not yeah. on. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices fast. Amoseek.com. Thanks for listening, you guys. We'll see you next week. Night.